Hey, when does the show start? Hey, wait a minute. <gasps> First, let's hear from our sponsors. Oh, okay. In just a minute. 50% of all lifetime mental illness begins at the age of 14, 75% by the age of 24. You got something going on. You need to reach out to somebody, maybe a neutral third party, markwelltherapy.com. Dr. David Markwell and his therapists uh, do an amazing job there at Ridgeline Counseling. Markwelltherapy.com. They can do it virtually. You can stop by one of their three Georgia locations, East Cobb, Marietta near the square, or McKaysville, right outside of Blue Ridge. Again, markwelltherapy.com. Who's Tony? You're going to have to find out for yourself when you go into the Norcross showroom for UCI Kitchen and Bath. Maybe you're looking at a little reno project to start the new year. They've been Atlanta's number one cabinet, granite, and quartz fabricator and installer for the past 20 years. You're mentioning the BS. You're getting 10% off your regularly priced countertop. UCIGranite.com. That's the website. Do some shopping online, you tech nerd. But when you go into the showroom, uh, make sure you ask for Tony. Tell him Jason said hi. True story. Uh, one of our most popular guests uh, is Mad Doug Manny Aurora, the Aurora Law Firm. Uh, that's no joke. You guys love him. I love him. If you have any questions for him when he pops in on the show, you can go to podcastthebs.com. There's a whole section set up. You can ask us on social media, or you can leave a message on our hotline, 404-369-3825, possibly get a one-on-one. -on -one. Specializing in criminal law, located in Atlanta, but practices nationwide, theauroralawfirm.com, theauroralawfirm.com. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. After all these years in the radio business, Jason Bailey is finally unfiltered. I don't know what you want. With his bestest buddy and producer, all the way from Mexico, it's Nate, dude. Sit back, enjoy. Here is the podcast that is all about intellectually immature nonsense. Are a very particular set of skills. You will love it. Why? Because I'm Jason's neighbor. I'm old man Kevin. <laughs> and by God, this is the BS. All right, here it is, episode 128 of the BS. Thanks for being here. My name's Jason Bailey in the Golden Scissors Studio, all brought to us by Gorenstein and Watkins. Looking for a trial litigation attorney, personal injury, wrongful death, contracts, transactions, and more. Gorenstein and Watkins are your dudes. GWtrial.com. GWtrial.com. Or you can call 470-491-0808. They're in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. It's the Nader Tater Vader Masturbator. Hola, como estas? Hola. Buenos dias. How y'all doing? Hola. Bien. Muy bien. Muy bien. There in the Zelensky Studios in Noonan, Georgia. B-Man. Putting the business up for sale so we can become a YouTube sensation. Brandon Thrasher. Hello, Brandon. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Have you put your business up for sale yet? I have. Yeah. Any Ooh. takers? Any getters? Any comers? Three people have hit me up so far. Wow. Look at you. Is it going to be a done deal soon or we've got a lot of negotiation to do? I hope it'll be done soon. That's right. what we hope for, right? Yeah. Fingers crossed, toes crossed. Fingers crossed, toes crossed. Where do you crossed. post selling a business at? Right so, now, just Facebook. Facebook Marketplace. Oh. <laughs> Step one. Crazy question, huh? <laughs> I told him that there was a broker. You know, you can hire a broker. I mean, they're going to take a cut, but it might be a lot easier. 
uh, sitting with me in the Golden Scissors studio. She is smart, salacious, vivacious Nikki D. Hey. I think I'm saying that right. People are. are people are saying salacious is not the term to use. <laughs> it means you're a slut or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Salacious. I thought we made that word up. <laughs> no, it's definitely a word. Oh. No. <laughs> I thought we were right. I've been calling you a slut for the past month. <laughs> and I'm all excited about it. Like, hello. And I, and I didn't even know it. I thought it meant something else. <laughs> anyway, I'll have to do some more research on the salacious, vivacious. <laughs> it just rhymes and it's nice. I know. Uh, you think you'll get the uh, asking price or is uh, anybody just uh, come out of the, the, the gates going, is this negotiable? Uh, no one's asked if it's negotiable, surprisingly, but mainly people just uh, some landscape companies that hit me up. So hopefully they got some deep pockets. That would be smart. Your, your plan of attack to sell it to a landscape company that can add that to their business because, you know, you know, I've done a ton of landscaping at my house, me personally, and then hired people and I've got guys that do it. Um, they don't own their own. Like the guys that do it now, it's got Joey's phenomenal. Uh, and he's a great dude. He knows how to do, he, you know, sprinklers and stuff. Like, he's fixed my sprinklers before, but he doesn't have an actual sprinkler company. So that's a smart move. I think that was, that was really good on your part, you know? Yeah, I'm not sure why. This seems to be uh, the running th- trend that landscape companies don't have their own way to do irrigation, which always blew my mind. Look at that. You might get more money. You might be get, get, getting a bidding war. Yeah. Wow, look at that. You walk away with $1.8 million. <laughs> and then you're going to have to bite your tongue because you said he'd never get a million dollars for that business. Nah, he, well, no, I said he wouldn't get what he's asking for, which is a quarter of a million dollars. No, you said he wouldn't even get a million because Nate said he might sell it and be a millionaire, and you were like, no. Okay, well, you, you just contradicted what you just said. So It didn't make any sense. I said that he wouldn't get his asking price, which is two hundred and fifty dollars, which or two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You said which, that too. Oh, relax, which definitely means he's not getting a million dollars. <laughs> if I don't think he's getting two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, <laughs> think it's a, you're, what you're saying. It's it's like a, a a road. You know, you got you can't go to the end of the road without going to the the middle of the road. So think about it. I'm not. He's definitely not getting a million dollars. But I said he's not getting. If I, what did I say? If you, if you sell it for two hundred fifty thousand dollars, I'll wash your balls. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, social media is very excited about that statement. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, it was kind of a joke. I mean, well, it was a joke, but I just don't. I know he's not going to get that money for it. But you people are weird that you're excited for me to wash Brandon's balls. Like, what does that say about you? What does that say about humanity? What's wrong with you people? I don't think well, it's. The, Go ahead, Nate. There. They hear, they've heard you uh, bust his balls for, for years, so now uh, they want you to wash them. <laughs> wash them. <laughs> weirdos, weirdos. Uh, before I get to the story of me taking Nikki D to her first wrestling match uh, the other night when my uh, buddy Bully Ray, a.k.a. Bubba Ray Dudley, was in town, uh, I, I never realized this. So my, my, my mother-in-law's in, uh, in town, uh, Rachel's mom. She's got a... We're going to watch the dogs and stuff. We got we got things to do, and she flew in on Sunday, which is the day before Martin Luther King Day, which was on Monday, of course. And Atlanta, I mean, this is for those that don't live here. This is Martin Luther King grew up here. His house is here. His church is here. It's all that stuff. You know, this is the civil rights movement capital of the the, the world, right? Atlanta, yeah. you yeah. know, the underground, all that stuff, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, uh, JB, the press, he flies in 
because he's going he's to speak on it, because that's what you do. As an old white guy, you fly into the civil rights capital of the world, and you talk about how you know black people as an old white man. And so uh, what I didn't realize is that Air Force One, he came in a day before. So Air Force One came in at the same time as my mother-in-law. Never a good idea. Never a good idea. It really does back traffic up immensely. <laughs> she's she had the worst time getting to the house. All I can say is that she she had a she's like, did you know? Did did you not look when you booked my plane ticket that the president of the United States is coming to town? No, Joe didn't text me. I forgot all about it. I did read an article. Didn't think twice. So, you know. <laughs> now he's what coming he in. He's coming what in he, because today's Martin Luther King's actual birthday. Right. Yeah. Martin Luther King Day. Mm-hmm. Yes. What's that name? Wouldn't he wouldn't he fly into to Dobbins Air Force Base? Why would he go into Hartsfield? He just loves going through TSA. He likes the, the plane train. <laughs> gotta ride the, the plane train, yep. Gotta ride it. <laughs> he wants to start out, you know, get one of those magazines, get some nuts. He just he likes the experience there at Hartsfield. Yeah, listen to the Sky Mall. Because yeah, he, just, he wants to wants to sit there. He got he goes in the Delta Club, you know, and he likes to charge his phone and get a little baby salad and a muffin. You know, he likes that stuff. <laughs> I don't know, Nate. I, I to answer your question, I have no idea. Uh all right. So um the other night. Uh, Impact Wrestling this past weekend Impact Wrestling was in Atlanta Impact Wrestling used to be TNA Wrestling I actually worked with them Because they're they're not based out of Orlando They're actually based out of Nashville But their home base As far as um, uh, the rec- Recording their television shows Is Orlando and the, the soundstage The back lot of Universal Studios Which I'm very familiar with I know the ladies that run it and stuff And uh, my ex-wife used to work back there, actually. They used to film Nickelodeon back there, back in the day, before they yanked it and went to L.A., back to L.A. I uh, did some work for them, too. So it's pretty cool. You know, and you go there, and it's a soundstage, so it's fairly small. Um, I couldn't even guess how many people, maybe 100 or so. But on TV, it may, you know, obviously, you're shooting for TV. It looks a lot bigger. That com- company's come a long way. And I, I remember when they came about and I was excited because I was a wrestling fan. I was like, there's wrestling in my own backyard. Uh, Not only can I go and I can watch these matches, you know, there's no big deal, but maybe I can work for them. Cause when I was younger, my dream was to work for, you know, wrestling promotion, the WWE or so I said, I would send packages. When I first got into radio, this is in the mid nineties. One of my first celebrity buddies, um, as far as a professional wrestling go was Billy Gunn. And Kip lived in Apopka, which is just outside of Orlando. And we've been friends ever since. And he's a great dude. Now his kids are are, are wrestlers and whatnot. And he got me in the door with the WWE. And at the time, Jim Ross was in charge of talent relations, uh, who Jim Ross, I befriended him over the years. He's now with AEW, fantastic guy. And then the executive, the guy in charge of all the television, who still is, his name's Kevin Dunn. A guy like me, even now, but definitely at that time, to get through to those people, you have to catch lightning in a bottle. I mean, like they accidentally picked up the phone or something like that. Again, remember, social media doesn't exist, not big email, internet kind of, you know, doing its thing, just just barely putzing along. So I remember my girlfriend and I at the time, we put together this box and it had like we cut out pictures and stuff because I wanted to stand out. (laughs) 
and I put my resume and at the time my highlight reel was on a VHS tape and my, my air check was on a CD and we put it all in the box and we, there was like something clever, like, Hey, Jr. Jr's mystery box or something like that. You know, hoping that he'd, I don't know. I talked about it years later. He's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even think it made it to his desk. <laughs> So uh, so when TNA, uh, where Impact Wrestling came to Orlando, I was very excited. So I went out there, and, and I remember having a meeting with Jeff Jarrett, who was the guy at the time, and Dutch Mantel, who's an old-school wrestler. Um, and uh, he was, you know, part of booking or whatever it was at the time. Very intimidating guy, by the way. And I'm in this little room, and they're asking me stuff. And I don't think they understood what I did and what I can offer, so they were like, uh, well, you do know that you got to start from the bottom and work your way up. I go, okay, well, let's just be clear. I'm not, I don't want to be a wrestler. I, I, I want to be a ring announcer. announcer. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I don't even want to be a manager. You being good at that. I, yeah, I just want to introduce the people and talk on a microphone. That's all I want to do. Maybe someday get behind the, you know, the the cameras and do some play-by-play or something, but I, I don't want that much responsibility. We understand each other. He goes, yeah, you still got to work your way up. Go, no. <laughs> work for what? <laughs> I don't understand. I mean, I understand if you're a wrestler working your way up and paying your dues. And, and so I was curious, I go, what do I have to do? He goes, well, you're going to have to get here early and help put the ring together. Oh, like what those people did down there, changing it out. Oh, that's a hard no from the kid. I got to tell you that right now. <laughs> Not that I'm too good for it, but again, I have a career. I have a job. I'm just trying to do a little with you guys and help you out with some promotion since you're new to town. That's all. That's all I wanted. Now, I'd been around the wrestling business long enough to know that... These guys, they're built differently, especially the old school guys. They're hustlers. They're all hustlers. They're, they're carnival barkers. They're great guys, don't get me wrong, but they know that they can use people uh, because you're a fan of the product, so they benefit. Oh. They're all like that. They're all like that, especially the old school guys. And so uh, it didn't, I don't think, went well, so I didn't get a yes that day. They said, well, we'll get back to you. And they, oh, and then they didn't want to pay me. And they I want said, you to do it for free. You want me to do it for free. I was like, well, I'll do the first couple for free because I was going to come out and watch the matches. So I, I, I'd do the first couple for free. That's not a problem. And they're like, well, we, we just don't know if we'd ever be able to pay you. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not good. <laughs> I'm also going to give you, you know, I'm pulling the, I'm also going to talk about you on my radio show, which at the time I was number one in two different demographics. It's like, so I've got an audience. You probably, I mean, that's worth something. I know my worth, you know, I know my truth. You know, it's worth something. So they ended, I figured it was no big deal. So I'd still go out there. Uh, Bully had not become a part of the promotion yet. He had just left the WWE and he was kind of, you know, as we say in this business on the beach and just chilling out for a while, but I would go out there and I'd watch and I knew some of the people and a lot of the people I did not know and just enjoying it as a wrestling fan. And my wife worked there, you know, at the time. And so I'd see her and blah, blah, blah. So remember we were coming back from Cocoa beach where my first wife's parents lived and we're driving back in that long stretch on uh, the turnpike. And I get a phone call 
and it's Jeff Jarrett. Who's that? He's a professional wrestler. Ooh. Old school guy. Okay. You know, he's still around, but he's old school. Big, big that name. That was his wrestling name? Yeah. Well, he's part of the Jarrett family. Like his dad, Jer- Jerry, Jerry Jarrett, I think. I mean, they... It's, they're he's a part of the, the two first name crew. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I was perfect. <laughs> so he calls me, and I'd be lying if I said I wasn't kind of excited because I've got Jeff Jarrett reaching out to me. Exactly. And, I, and I didn't know him other than that meeting that was arranged, I think, through a mutual friend or something. So, oh, I think it was through Billy Gunn, actually, because Billy Gunn was part of the promotion when it first started. So uh, he goes, hey, man, um, is there any way you can come out tomorrow night and do some ring announcing for us? I said, absolutely. He says, great. Uh, I said, well, are you going to pay me anything? He goes, can't pay anything for tomorrow. I said, okay. I go, I'll go out there, do my thing. You'll like it and eventually get there. And, and he goes, okay. So go out there, do my thing. You know, knock it out of the park as much as you can knock something like that out of the park. And uh, I'm done. You know, good job. Thank you. Feeling great. Feeling, feeling good, you know. <laughs> can you come back tomorrow night? Sure. Absolutely. Think you'll be able to pay me? Well, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> Knowing what that means. No. But still, I'm like, all right, I'll just do it again. Maybe tonight was a fluke and blow these, blow, blow the socks off these guys. So I go back the next night, knock it out of the park as much as you can knock that out of the park. Get back there. Good job. Thank you. Cool. Think you could pay me? No, but I, I probably next time. <laughs> okay. Can you come back next weekend? Sure, absolutely. Go back next weekend. I'd do it. I, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to pay you. <laughs> now the truth comes out. And, I, and he goes, but, you know, it's good for you to be in front of this crowd. I said, there's 100 people here. I've, <laughs> I've got thousands of people that I talk to on a daily basis. I don't, <laughs> you're not putting me on television, so I don't need your 100 people. It's like if we're really going back and forth here, I've got a bigger audience than you as far as in person. So <laughs> I don't really need this. So I was like, you know what? If, if you guys get some money, get back to me. It was about 20 years ago. I haven't heard <laughs> <laughs> You never got Still around waiting. to getting any money. Still wait. But, you know, I have a good relationship with a lot of those guys and Bully Ray's with them. And there was a big pay-per-view and they had it at center stage. And we go, uh, so there's a whole, Nikki D, were you excited about your first wrestling match? Especially after we had Bully on. And you guys uh, kind of hit it off a little bit, I thought. I was excited because he got me really, like, hyped up. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's going to be cool. He's going to win this wrestling match. I've never seen a wrestling match. So I was excited about going. What What were your expectations? And then at the end of the story, I want to know how you were deflated in any of them. <laughs> what, were, what, were, what were you expecting going into it? Well, first of all, I was expecting us to be in this huge, like, arena with this big ring, like what I've seen on TV. Um, and then we pull up and go through a back alley looking place into a back door. And then I'm like, oh, okay. So no big arena. So then the next thing I was expecting is like, I don't know, we'd be ushered in to like some ringside seats and there'd be flashing lights and 
Um, we stood in the hallway for a while, and then we were ushered in and just left standing in the <laughs> middle of an aisle to figure out where we were going to sit, which was not ringside. It's kind of yeah, that 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 one they I think they dropped the ball a little <laughs> bit on. Right? Okay, you're you're moving too fast. Okay, I'm just talking about overall your expectations. Did you, you so you thought it was going to be a big arena, yeah, bunch of lights, smoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were expecting to see in person what you see on TV. Yes. Okay. That fair enough. Fair, totally fair enough. So it starts early. You got to remember this was this past Friday night, traffic in Atlanta, pain in the ass. It's raining. I think it even snowed for a second. It did. Weird. I mean like literally it snowed for a second. It was just very and it hailed for a second. It was very weird weather. So she Nikki gets to my house. She's actually early, which blows me away. And, and I said, let's leave at 5.30. The event doesn't start until 8. But I was like, well, give us enough time to get down there and um, we'll get some food. Right. You're riding bicycles? <laughs> Take you three hours to get there? <laughs> no, no, no. But I wanted to, because, you know, you get stuck in traffic and you could be yeah. on 400 or Roswell Road for two hours. So I figured if we, <laughs> hold on, don't, don't, don't spoil this. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, we'll just get down there early and get some food because center stage where they had the event, although a very nice event, I mean, a very nice venue, they don't have any food. Like, they don't serve food, which sucks. Like, occasionally somebody will go grab a couple pizzas and you could buy a slice of pizza, which is really <laughs> shitty pizza, but they didn't even have that, you know? And I forgot to bring snacks. We're all starving. <laughs> you know, we get there like, oh, shit, forgot there's no food there. Uh, so we, we, we get in my truck and we leave like right at five thirty, And for some reason I decide to take 400, which is not my MO. I'm just usually a Roswell road guy staying off the interstate. So we get on 400 and, uh, <laughs> and traffic is backed up for as long as the eye can see. I mean, it is backed up and you know i'm looking at my google map things says there's an accident it's like a 13 minute delay and i'm like okay we can get it so we're probably in this traffic we maybe go i don't know four ish miles and it was like an hour um yeah about that about that (laughs) yeah i was like well i gotta get off i should have taken roswell road everybody makes fun of me for taking roswell road so i gotta get off roswell road so I ask Rach, I say, hey, I can get off at North Point, which, you know, I'm using a lot of different landmarks that some people might not be familiar with. But the 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 North Point exit off of 400 going south is the MARTA exit, you know, or, or, or train thing. And there's a way when you get off, you can go to the back roads, which will bring you back around. And so I changed my nav because for some reason I still can't figure out on Google Maps how to take freeways off. So I go to my truck navigation, which hasn't been updated since I bought it in 2018. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because th- these roads have not changed. Although the interstates changed greatly, these ro- the back roads haven't changed. They're still the same back roads. So I put it on my truck navigation. And I'm like, okay, so... We're out of traffic, and when we get off, we I take the wrong exit into MARTA. So we end up in the parking garage. In the parking garage. Right. Mm-hmm. Never in my life have I gotten out of traffic off the interstate and ended up in a parking garage. 
Think about it. Anybody else ever done that before? I mean, isn't that weird? And you're forced to go in there, you know, because there's like three lanes. And of course, out of the three lanes, I picked the wrong one. And I'm now forced in this parking garage. And here's what's shitty about this parking garage is that you get a ticket. And in order to get out, you have to find the exit color that matches your ticket. So there's like a green and a brown and a blue and a black and a white and an orange and a yellow. And I forgot because I don't go there often. I didn't even realize it. So we went to like three different exits before I figured out that I had the wrong color. So we're taking we're spending more time in this freaking parking garage than we are trying to get to the event. So now it's like past six o'clock, way past six. Well, it's, I, we were there for an hour. So it's almost seven o'clock. It's almost seven. Yeah, It's almost point. seven o'clock. So we finally get out of the parking garage. I figure out the color of the ticket and all that stuff. And and uh, and we start running parallel to 400 where all the traffic is. And, I mean, we're just passing by. I was like, God, I go, did we just get really lucky? I, and I'm starting to joke, like, how I'm the man. Like, that's all you got to do is find a parking garage and go drive around in it. And then you bypass all the traffic because you get to take the side streets, thinking that I did something good. And we're just zooming past this traffic, just flying past it. And I'm like, <laughs> impressive, huh? You know, you guys are making fun of me for going in the parking garage, but this is pretty impressive. And then I see the next exit. The next exit is where I live. We drove for an hour <laughs> to only end up right back to Bailey's exit. <laughs> I could not believe it. That has never happened to me in my entire life. I was sitting over there thinking, why didn't I drive my own car? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I was go- That's why we we're past the traffic because we're going, we're going backwards. <laughs> <laughs> we literally come back and get off of the exit to his house. <laughs> I was like, "This is crazy. This is crazy. No wonder he stays on Roswell Road. <laughs> he doesn't know how to drive." <laughs> I've never done that before. I, like, like I felt so good <laughs> until I saw next exit. You know, Northridge, your ex, I was like, oh, shit. And then, and then I looked down at, at my, uh, you know, at, at, at my compass or whatever on my on my screen, and we're going north. You know, I'm like, oh, man. But I was following my nav. So I guess on my nav, what I accidentally hit was home. <laughs> uh, that's the only explanation I can think of, is that I hit home on, on accident. I didn't mean to, of course. Yeah, so that was the start of our trip. Yeah, just so, driving around Atlanta. So, so now it's like seven twenty ish, right? I'm like, shit. What do we do? Because there's no the traffic's still backed up. It's actually worse now. And uh, so we ended up taking the back roads, you know, through perimeter and all that kind of stuff. And and we make it down there literally just in time. Uh, and he was going on first. On this, he was like, he texted me. He's like. Make sure you're here, you know, right on time because I'm going on first. I was like, okay, cool. And uh, so you didn't think he'd go on first? No, I didn't. Because I thought he was, a, he was, he was a, the closer. He was the closer because mm-hmm. of the title, world championship. He said world champion. He's getting a belt. He's going up against this guy. I'm like, oh, okay, this is the main thing. Well, he actually, he originally was supposed to go on last, but oh, he okay. suggested they change it. And have the ladies go on last because it was a bigger storyline. 
Oh, yeah. It was, though. Those yeah. people were going crazy. Because it was, if Mickey James loses, she has to retire. Right. And the woman that she was facing, this jacked up lady, uh, Jordan Grace, I think her name was. Yep. And gray, something like that. Mickey James comes out with all these Indians and Native Americans. Like, is she Native American? I, I meant to ask you that. I, I was she, so confused by that. First, let me say she's very nice. I've met her numerous times. She's a very, very sweet woman. Uh, to answer your question, I, I guess I'm assuming she is. I mean, I saw her her family, and then the, none of them looked her, native, so that's her, why I was. Her gimmick's a little. Confusing, right? It's yeah, like it was country. That she, was her gimmick. Her, she's hardcore, hardcore country. country. And then she came out like Pocahontas. And she comes out like Pocahontas, and she's from Virginia. Right. She's from Virginia, <laughs> and, and they look like they was a little West Virginian. <laughs> Your family. Your <laughs> family did. <laughs> okay. yeah. uh, so, so we get there, and um, the my contact is uh, a gentleman by the name of Lou, who is one of Bully's uh, dear oldest friends. He was with worked with him at ECW. He was the Dudley Sign guy or whatever, and he just he's now just got this job at Impact. He's a fantastic guy. He used to work for Caesar's Entertainment, like head of marketing back in the day. And when we'd go out to Vegas, I mean, he just could walk anywhere. I mean, take you anywhere, get you anything. It was. Don't know why he left that job. That job was so awesome. <laughs> when I found out he left that job, I was going to reach out and go, is there any way I can apply for it? Because <laughs> like, it seems like this is like the best job in the world. Live in Vegas, get to go to any show you want to go to, and you just got to promote it. I mean, that sounds pretty cool. Sounds pretty cool to me. Um, He's like, we can hire you. We just can't pay you. But if you come back next week... <laughs> So, you know, and then we're, because he's busy. He's like the one of the head producer guys there. So he's busy. So he, you know, we kind of pawns us off to one of their security guys, uh, which is fine. You know, I, I get how this works. And so he says, go to the loading dock with the orange door. I go, okay. <laughs> I didn't know where we were going. <laughs> I, it might have looked like I knew where I was going. I got really lucky. I got to tell you, I got really like, I just kind of was process of elimination. I was like, it's either that side or this side. And then I'm just going to look for orange. And it wasn't like it just stood out. It was buried like in the back. Like you had to walk down the ramp to find the orange door. I felt like I was in like some secret world in Super Mario. <laughs> it was like, oh, there's the orange door. What's the, so we go and there's a bunch of dudes out there. So I knew I just couldn't go through it. So I text them. I'm like at the orange door guy comes out screams, you know, his security guys, who's here for bully? Who's here for bully? And I said, we're over here. He goes, oh, come on. Come on, come on, come on. (laughs) So he ushers us in, and they have some matches before the the show starts, so, you know, we can't go out while the match is going on. And so we're just sitting there backstage. Now, how was that? I mean, you're backstage. That's how you were introduced to wrestling. You got to see the wrestlers backstage in, in their in their native environment it was good people watching my first impression impression though was that wrestlers are not very friendly not one of them said hey or hello or how you doing they just walked around and looked at you like why are you here well what did you want them to do they're getting ready I to go to work to say hi. i wanted to tell the one girl that i really liked her hair but when i you know looked over to say something to her she just like Mm, state faced me and walked on, so I didn't say anything to her. I th- we're gonna have to. That's an, that's something I wanted to talk to you about. What? I think I think you come across a little hard. 
how do I come across hard? I didn't say one word, and I was about to tell her, oh, I like your hair. And then she just like, mm, stank face me. And I think the like, word right. is um, you front, right? Is that the word front? <laughs> front you means put a wall. <laughs> yeah, put up a wall, right. Yeah. That's You're, not what front means. Oh, see, Brandon, why are you getting me? <laughs> I don't trouble? know. That's what I would think. <laughs> front wall, back wall. Yeah, thought you are from the mean means. streets of Noonan. What are you doing yeah. down there? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we build walls all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean, then? Fronting, that means you put on as if you have something that you don't have. That's what fronting is. Oh. So, like, acting like you are rich or you got some oh. type of status, but you really don't. Okay, That's you're fronting. not fronting. No, 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 no. no, no. But you're, you're, you're walling. How about that? <laughs> walling <laughs> off. You're walling off. <laughs> you're walling up. You're walling up. Yeah, I'll just go make it, make the makeup y'all a word. You just, you just like, because you, you, you kind of, you come across a little rough around. Like, you don't come across approachable. How about that? I mean, I've been told that, but okay, I try to come off approachable. Okay, good. So we're getting somewhere. So you, so my people have told you that before. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I think you do that because I think sometimes you get caught between two worlds. What does that mean? I, I think you, you get caught between a couple different different personalities in the Nikki D world. I do. Yeah. See, see look, I'm nailing this one. <laughs> and, 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 and I just think sometimes you're like, well, am I this Nikki D or am I that Nikki D? But if I'm that Nikki D, I want to be too vulnerable. So I got to be this Nikki D and I've got to wall it up, right? Walling out. Wall yeah, up. wall up to the chin so you can still look over. Wall up to the chin so you can still look over. So that's why the girl <laughs> faced me? Well, I don't think she's, I think that's you looking into, like not understanding that they don't know who you are. So why are they going to say hi there's a ton of people that were around us. They're getting ready to go to work. That's what they do. I don't know who she is or was. I don't know which one you're talking about, but it could have been her first match. She could be terrified and she's, you know, got a lot on her mind. So instead of you going, it's all about you. You're not thinking that, well, maybe I misunderstood that look and maybe she had so much on her mind. I mean, she is at work. If you're at work at, let's say back at the radio station and you're typing or something like that, and some people walk by the window, are you going to walk outside or turn around and say hi if you're in the middle of I'm something? I'm not going to walk outside, but plenty of people have walked past the window at the radio station and been excited and waved, and I've said hi. Okay, well, I'm sure if you waved at her, she would have waved back at you. Well, I couldn't even say anything to her because she stank-faced me. Me and Rachel felt the same way. It wasn't just me. I don't know about all this. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so we're back there, and then the match is over, and they – the guy's like, all right, let me take you to your seats. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of pushes us out. <laughs> and left us. <laughs> yeah. I, that that one I was, everything else was pretty much on par. I get it. That's what, you know, I'm used to that stuff. This one was a little, this part was a little weird. He just kind of, I thought he was following me. And we got from back, the backstage area. This is not a lot of area here we're covering. But we had to walk like right by the ring around the announce guys, and then there were some seats. I didn't know if they were assigned seats or not. And I mean, there wasn't a bad seat in the house. I mean, we've all been to center stage before. It's, it's, it's you no, can see it doesn't matter where you are. Yeah, it's, it's intimate. It's extremely intimate. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I mean, I, it, I'm I'm kind of a seat snob, but in this case, I mean, it, it just didn't matter to me. And then as we walk out, we had some two percenters that were there watching the match. So hello to you guys, uh, and and it was nice meeting you. And I look behind me and I see Nikki and I see Rage, but I don't see our security guy. 
And I just see his head go back down to the thing. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I guess, I guess, guess I, we sit where we want. I guess we just sit where we want. <laughs> <laughs> so I find a row of seats and, you know, we go and we sit down and we in, enjoy the match. And uh, Bully's match was phenomenal. Spoiler alert, if you didn't see it and you're going to watch it, uh, he, he loses. He lost. I was so shocked. I sat there the whole time like, okay, I see what's going on now. See what wrestling's about. This is this is that. All right, boom. And then he's finna win. So when the guy's like, one, two, I'm like, all right, he's going to kick the little leg out like they do. And then he's like, three. And I'm like, oh, shoot. He lost. <laughs> he, he assured me he was going to win he on the podcast. <laughs> Last time I trust a wrestler during an interview. (laughs) I would be shocked to find out that Hulk Hogan does not take his vitamins every day. I can't believe a wrestler embellished something to me. (laughs) Good, Nate. I was so shocked. (laughs) I was too, actually, when I read it. I was like, whoa, really? (laughs) So his match was a hardcore match. They had... Thumbtacks, they hit each other with oh. trash cans, they were busted open. They were bleeding. They're bleeding. That's what busted Dildos. Open. Yeah. Dildos oh. everywhere. Strap yeah, on. Very hardcore. Very hardcore. Hardcore country. <laughs> the guy he was um um fighting against, he had a thumbtack stuck right in the back of his head and his head was bald. Yeah. And I couldn't concentrate on anything at that point except the thumbtack that was stuck in that man's head. I was uh, like uh, there's no way that's in the tail on the donkey match. I got it. <laughs> that's where the strap on comes in. <laughs> and so Rach is taking pictures really just of Nikki throughout the match. And I posted, Rach I think it's so sneaky. I think I posted one, but we've got, we've got a handful of them and just different facial expressions. So when they get the first time they, they, they hit with the chair and, Oh, <laughs> you know, they, they jump off the ladder and fall out of the ring into a table or something. <laughs> She's all leaning over in her seat, bumping people, her head back. And she's dressed like she's going to church. She's not dressed. I was not dressed. Oh, that's, I forgot to mention that. So she shows up at my house, and I'm like, you you know you're going to a wrestling match. She's like, do you bring a change of clothes? No. You know, she's all done up. She's got a, you know, a, like a hat, um, you know, like a, 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 a Mountie hat, you know, like the Canadians wear. And then this like big shawl and this big fluffy flow. I mean, she was going to either to a nice restaurant or church. And I'm going, <laughs> you're going to a, a wrestling match with sweat, blood, sticky floors, and expensive beer. That's where we're going. I like to look nice when I go out. Thank you very much. And I thought I was going to be on TV. Uh, did you really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That might have been partially my fault because when Nikki asked me about it, she was like, I hope we got good seats. I was like, oh, I've never been further than maybe second row with Bailey. They'll take care of you. You know, you might get on TV. You might not. It depends. Sometimes you're on the other side of the ring. Uh, so that might be my bad. Yep. That's exactly what Nate told me. <laughs> if you could have seen this, Nate raises his hand, just kind of like not trying too hard to raise his hand, but just so he says he's right. That might have been my fault. <laughs> Oops. Well, the WWE events or even the TNA events that we went to, like he at the soundstage was a lot bigger than what this was. So, uh, so yeah. But yeah, I was surprised that we weren't in, in better seats, I guess. Um, I was fine with them. It was, you know, I, I didn't have a problem with this. No big deal. You know, but I did like one of the guys that wrestles for him is Moose. 
who I'd met years ago, a radio show, we, I did something with a local promotion, and he was wrestling with them at the time. He's a, I think, yeah, he's a former Atlanta Falcon, and he's a phenomenal athlete. Like, I mean, just an amazing, amazing athlete. And he's done a really good job in the wrestling business transitioning from football to wrestling. So they, they brought out some uh, former, um, former Falcons. And so I'm looking down there, and I'm going, is that Finneran? Brian Finneran? Yeah, so they they put you know had him on TV rooting on the former Falcon and all that kind of stuff. I'm I'm texting Brian. I'm going, are you at wrestling right now? <laughs> he goes, I am. I said, look up to your right. He's like, hey, dude. <laughs> and then after that match, he came up and he actually his seats were right next to us. He sat next to us, so uh, or close by. So that, that was cool. Um, so we're there. Bullies match is over. Nikki's freaking out, and then we just sit through the rest of the event. I know, because his was the most entertaining. The rest of them were kind of boring. Well, there was one that went, it felt like four hours. Yes, it was never ending. And that's when I started feeling tired, like, oh, my God, how long is wrestling? Mm. But then you got really excited when that uh, white guy came out, and it was like a cult. He had this Joe Hendry, I think his name is. Yeah, Hendrick. And all I thought about was the little Rick Hendrick Chevrolet commercials that they'd be playing on the radio. (laughs) No, I think it's Hendry. I don't it was Hendrick. No, I don't think. I wrote it down. No, I don't think it's Hendrick. I think it's Hendry. Hendry? H-E-N-D-R-Y. Hendry. Joe I Hendry. specifically wrote this down. I don't think. I think His you, name was Joe Hendrick. No, I don't think I don't think that's right. I'll Google it. I'll yeah. Google it right now. Google all you want. He Just, had this song, this theme song, when he was in the mountains with heels rolling behind him, and everybody's doing this little sway wave. It was so funny. And he wasn't even in good shape. Yeah, well, yeah. But it was the, yeah, that's the guy. Blonde hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the guy. Hendry, right? You're on me. can't hear you, Nate. Yeah. What's his last name? Yeah, it does say Henry. Thanks. Or Hendry, sorry. Hendrick. Yeah. Hendry. Oh my God. I'm I have it pulled up. He right just now. did it. See, this is this wall he's, I'm talking about. Is, is he Scottish? <laughs> no, he, I don't know what his thing. I don't even know who he I've never seen him before. But he came out and he has this like cult like intro, like you know, that kind of stuff. And yep. it was like the fans were into it. They're putting their hands up, you know. It was just I mean, I've seen stuff like this before, but that one was kind of creepy. And his his whole intro was kind of like Tiger King meets Dave Koresh. Uh, it was, you know, he's playing a guitar and, and it's just, I mean, it's weird. supposed to be weird and over the top. I mean, that's the gimmick, but it was, yeah. it was very, very, it was too real. It was like really, really weird real. Yeah, it was. Hendry. Hendry, H-E-N-D-R-Y. I said that like three hours ago. Okay, well, you're right, Rick- I'm wrong. The Rick is silent, sorry. Yes, the Rick is silent. No, no, I said it reminds me of the Rick Hendrick commercials here mm-hmm. from Atlanta is what mm-hmm. I was saying. So the the night, the event is over. You had a good time. Did it live up to your expectations? Steven? It did. I have one question, though. Hmm. Why was every wrestler that came out here wet? What well, the purpose? Well, they they shower together. <laughs> one shower. You've never seen that YouTube <laughs> channel, 30 Wrestlers, One Shower? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, that's kind of a thing, you know? I don't know why. That's oh, it's the that? thing. Okay. I, I, I don't know what the reason is. Okay. that's I really wondered. I'm like, why is everybody's hair wet? Back in the day, they used to use a lot of baby oil. I only saw one guy who looked very baby oiled, and that was the older guy with that black romper on with the spider on it, I think, the red spider. Okay. 
I don't know his name. He's the only one who looked extremely baby oiled. Uh-huh. I was like, okay. Were the guys what you thought they'd be like? No, <clears throat> most of their bodies were not that great. So uh-huh. you expected all of them to look like GI Joe figures? I expected them to all be ripped. Like the Moose guy was one of the most ripped ones there. Mm-hmm. To be honest, everybody else was kind of like their arms were nice, but then they had dad bod stomachs. So I was like, oh, okay. I guess wrestlers don't have to do too much working out. Well, it's, I, th- I think they have a wellness policy now that changed that a little bit. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> they get drug tested. Oh. So what they used to be um, using? Steroids. Steroids. Yeah, and a lot of them. That's oh. why, you know, those old school wrestlers die in their 50s because they just, they, they just juiced, way overjuiced. You know, yeah. where they're getting hip replaced. I mean, it just it's their bodies are done at fifty. They don't you don't think about that. You know, back in those days, even even the guys that are in their you know sixties now, like the Hulk Hogan's and the Ric Flair's of the world, they were wrestling in the territory days, which means that they were wrestling for fifty dollars a night, maybe a hundred dollars a night if they're lucky. They're in a car, just traveling amongst the state. You know, whether it's Georgia or North Carolina or, you know, the Memphis Territory or whatever. And then when the territory started to open up and they could, you know, some guys were going to different promotions, it's even more traveling. So, I mean, they're always traveling. They're always in the car. Huh. So their bodies are just beat to shit. And, then, and, and you, you get up, you go to the gym, and then you go wrestle, and then you go out. And so you're going to need – something else to stimulate that lifestyle like cocaine or whatever the case may be. So those guys, some of those stories, I mean, they a couple of them are very open about those stories, but um, that was a lifestyle. I mean, you, you, like that your wife and kids, if you had some, they're going to have to take a back seat because they're, they're not a part of this process. You want to hang on, you want to be there for me when I get home. That's cool. But other than that, I got shit to do. Well, overall, my good, my first wrestling match was was a good time. I learned a lot. I saw a lot. It was a lot more entertaining um, than I expected because I wasn't sure what to expect entertainment wise. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty good. Oh, all right. Afterwards, we're gonna go and have some drinks. <laughs> did you think this is where you and Bully might get some alone time? No, I did not think that we would get alone time. He's a really nice guy. He is very flirty. I will give him that. But he didn't bring my action figure, so. Oh, lost school points with me for that. Oh, you were really thinking that. Again, Nikki believed a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This was a good lesson for you. It was. Never to believe a wrestler. Never trust them. Never trust a wrestler. They're liars. <laughs> or any celebrity when you, when you interview them and they're like, yeah, we'll get together for a drink sometime when I'm in town. And then they ghost you. <laughs> I mean, we did go have a drink, you know, but then he asked Well, that's me different. To- I, I am, I, I, in real life, I am very good friends with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he forgets a lot. He's, he's had a bunch of concussions over, he didn't do it on purpose. I'm no, sh- he couldn't even remember my name, so it's cool. What do, you, what do you mean? He called you? He didn't remember my name. What do you call him? What's up, Natalie D? No, he didn't call me anything. I had to tell him what What's it up, was. Stevie B? <laughs> I had to tell him what it was like three times. And then the fourth time he remembered it. Yeah, he's he's been hit in the head a few times. Yeah, it's fine. Know. But it was it was cool. You know, afterwards, I don't know downtown Atlanta. I never go out there. And so uh and, and it was late. I mean and, and everything so this was Friday night. Yeah, and we were out at like eleven o'clock. And we're Google I'm just Googling pubs or bars near me. 
and everything closed at 11 or like by midnight. 12, yep. It, I, I, it blew me away. Like we're downtown Atlanta and everything's closed by midnight? Yep. All the bars? That sound normal? Yeah. No, you're right by Midtown. Midtown has a ton of bars and, and places. There. Yeah, they usually stay open at like 3 in the morning. That's what I thought, too. But the, all the places that popped up, at least on my Google, said they were closed at midnight. And except for this one, we found 11th Street Pub. Like, okay, whatever. So, you know, we'll drive over. It's just a couple miles away. They're going to Uber over because they have to go to the hotel. And now we have a bigger crew with us. Because uh, one of Bully's best friends from ever and ever, Jersey, who he lives in Tampa. Uh, this is the first time I ever met him. I've seen pictures of him on Facebook and stuff. His name's Darby. He uh, he was there. He flew in to watch the match. And then Bully's, uh, the radio show that he does on Sirius XM called Busted Open, which is a very good show, uh, especially if you're a wrestling fan. I mean, it's the pinnacle for wrestling fans. You listen to this show. It's your sports center. That's what it is. And they have this huge following, huge following. It's the, it's one of it's, it might be the number one sports show on Sirius XM. It beats the NFL shows. Oh, it's wow. crazy because the wrestling fan base is, is, is nuts and they do a great job. And the host of the show, his name is Dave LaGreca. I'd never met him before. And I finally met him, and, you know, I'm a fan. You know, I, I can appreciate what the guy's done with his brand, with his show. I think you show. guys were fans of each other. Y'all both were fanning out over each other. Well, <laughs> well so when they when Bully start, started with him some years ago, he asked for my advice on some things. And so I, uh, I don't know if you want to call it consult or coach or whatever it is, I helped out. I didn't, I didn't know if it got back to the host or not. I was just trying to help. I yeah. was asked. My opinion was asked. And there were a lot of things that I had an opinion on to help them. So I got to talk to him about it on Friday night. You did. Which was very humble. I mean, it was, it was, it was, I don't know what the word, but I was honored, you know. And he asked you for your, for your opinion. Yeah. I was like, okay, baby. That's right. That's what's up. That's what's up. (laughs) That is what's up. That's what I'm saying. He's like, give it to me straight. Be honest. You know, what do I need to do? Oh, when he said that, I was like, you don't want, don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) I was like, oh. Don't do that. Don't, not, no, don't do that. (laughs) You don't want honest. Yeah, he's a northerner. He can take it. So, you know, we went back and forth and he was very receptive and he loves what he does and he wants to, you know, do everything he can. And you should never not want to always learn and get better. I don't exactly. care. I don't care what level you are on. You should never want to do that. Uh, what I've learned over this past year plus doing this podcast, I, well, I've learned so much. Let's put it that way. I've learned I've learned more about things that I was unaware of just doing the podcast project versus the 27 years being in radio. Like I've learned a lot this past year. I bet. And it's great. Mm-hmm. You should learn a lot. Those radio people that are like, I've been doing it for 20 years, 20, I've been doing it for 26 years, you know what I mean? Learning, learning. Those are the people that get left behind. You got to be able to uh, grow and evolve. And I didn't always mm-hmm. realize that. I always mm-hmm. thought that, you know, I, well, I was taught very young in my career by my mentors, one in particular, you never stop paying your dues. That's the line. You never stop paying your dues. But you can get caught up in the business, and when you reach a certain level, 
not only financially, but, you know, as far as seniority, you're kind of like been there, done that. Not that you know everything, but you know, you know enough. And and you and you do start to kind of get into that. Look, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know, I did it. I've done your job. Exactly. Stuff, stuff like that world, you know. Um, so I remember when, when I was, was in Tampa, this was probably 2007, Mike Allstott. You guys know who Mike Allstott is? Sure. Stand out. It sounds familiar. Stand so. out. Stand out fullback slash tailback for the Tampa Bay Bucks, number 44, I believe. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, 40. There's Jersey right there. 40. He was just a beast. Played at Purdue, I believe, uh, and he would just run people over. He's got some of the best runs in football ever. Just a beast, right? Big shoulder pads. And uh, and I became, well, this was before I got to know him and his wife. I remember seeing, it was towards the last couple years of his career, and he knew it, but he was, you know, as a leader on the team. And uh, Warwick Dunn was on the team at the time, Derek Brooks. It was when they had that really like really good defense. And, uh, and I remember seeing an interview with him and he goes, he goes, yeah, you know, we've got some really talented young guys that are coming in and, you know, I'm, I, I love learning from these young guys that come in and the reporter goes, you've been doing this X amount of years and you're still learning from the, from, from guys that are just coming in the league. He goes, if something like, if you don't, if you stop learning, that's when you need to hang it up. I was like, God, that's really profound. Mm-hmm. And Mike yeah. Allstott's not the brightest guy in the world. I mean, he's kind of he's kind of punch punchy, you know. I was like, wow, that's really good. Then I got to meet him later, and I said, you know, I saw that interview, you know, real quick. He did the local news or something. He didn't remember. <laughs> he didn't remember at all. Uh, so that was the crew at the pub, mm-hmm. and and I was very disappointed in myself because I ate after seven o'clock, which I try not to do. And I had, but we didn't get a chance to eat before. I know, but then you just got to starve yourself until the next day. Oh, that's crazy. That's kind of my thing. <laughs> so I had I had Brussels sprouts. And, and a uh, burger and some fries. I didn't have a burger. You had half of Rachel's I burger. I did not have half of her burger. What I had, did you have? I had two bites of her burger. Oh, please. You cut that thing in at least a quarter, and then you ate like 17 fries for a person who act like you didn't want to eat no food. Why don't you get out of my business? I'm not in your business. I just know I was sitting here, and Why every are you time watching I looked so up, close? I just saw your hand snatch, and I'm like, he gave her so much hell, and look at him inhaling all them fries. Nikki's like, yep, oh, there's 15. (laughs) She's she's like a bouncer at a club with a little counter. (laughs) And then we had some shots, and we had some drinks, and then Nikki became a party pooper and was like, I'm tired, I gotta go. I had to go to work. Listen, I didn't get home until after 2 a.m., and my alarm goes off at 5.30 because I have to be to work at 7. So next time... I got four hours of sleep. Next time you guys try to bash on the kid for not partying. I'm a party animal. It's just, I can't go out with these non party animals that want to get home. I'm sitting there lining up shots, doing drinks and stuff and eating Brussels sprouts. You had one shot. No, two. Of what? Jack. I couldn't couldn't do tequila. Could not do tequila. Is that what uh, Bully Ray was doing? That's what everybody's doing. That's what what Rach does. And I have to have her brush her teeth before I kiss her because just any taste of tequila, I'll, I'll vomit. I'll throw it. <laughs> Tastes like spring break and regret. No, no July 3rd, 1996. Jose, I had nine tequila shots uh, after Red Hot and Boom, big event for the radio station I worked at, and I got food, uh, food poisoning, uh, alcohol poisoning. 
It was Ugh. so it was so bad. It, it was I'm sure it was the cheapest of tequila, but probably th- they were delicious going down. And I, I liked tequila. I got alcohol poisoning from tequila too, Jose Cuervo. I I can't. I, just the smell of it makes me want to vomit. I wish I liked tequila because tequila is good for you, right? I mean, as far as it's not a dark liquor and it goes down smooth, it's light. There's a lot of fun things you can do with it. I wish I liked. I wish I could drink tequila, but I can't. It's just Rach loves it, and she gets she becomes a madman woman. <laughs> she takes it and she turns. I don't know what she she turns into. You know, Debbie does Dallas stuff. I mean, she's a freak <laughs> when she does that. So anyway, all in all, good times. Great times. Great times. Great times. Great times. All right, Brandon, you got a question? I do. All right, here we go. One question with Brandon. Mayor of the Sparks, that's the name of the master artiste who's putting together these kick-ass pet portraits for you and your families. If you got a loved one that's got some pets, go ahead and get her a memorial. Uh, Even if they're not dead, I think it's just called a regular portrait. Uh, You can check her out on Facebook or Etsy Studio Sparks Designs. Get them in before uh, uh, Valentine's Day so you can get a good prize for your woman. Get a good prize for your woman. Prize. (laughs) Prize for your woman. Valentine's Day. Get a good prize for your woman. (laughs) Stapleton, Stapleton, Chris Stapleton. Stapleton, 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 Stapleton. Go ahead. What's your one question? All right. Would you rather have x-ray vision or telepathy, like read minds, but you can't turn it off? But for either one, you know. You can't turn off either one. Can't turn off either one. Huh. What can you see x-ray like is it like an x-ray machine or are you just seeing through clothes like uh, you know clothes and walls and stuff like that cars okay so yeah so like i can see some boobies i'm not seeing like a skeleton yeah correct okay yeah extra i'll do x-ray vision so it's x-ray vision or reading minds yes i just can't turn it mind. off I think I would go crazy with the reading minds if you can't turn it off and you're just constantly hearing people's thoughts inundating your brain. Well, so that'd be hard. That'd be hard for me. Let me tell you, as a guy that can read minds, all right, it's a it's it's a blessing and a curse. It really, really is. I used to look at it as just a blessing, but then I got really, really good at it, and it's 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 kind of like your entire life is a spoiler alert, right? You know, it's a spoiler. You just know what's going to happen. With that being said, I think I'm going to the x-ray, too. Also, you know, have you ever seen What Women Want with Mel Gibson? That's what he does, right? He gets the lightning strike, and, and yep. at first it's great. Then he learns to control it, and he's able to give these deals and all this kind of stuff. And in bed, when he's with Marissa Tomei, he's just amazing because he's reading her mind, and she's like, oh, only if he'd go a little bit to the left, only to, oh, my God, he's reading my mind, you know, that kind of thing. So that's kind of cool. I'll tell you, the x-ray thing, really mm, the most attractive thing to that is I'd be able to read cards. Like Like credit cards? No, like playing cards. Oh, okay. Right? I'd be able to to see if they're face down, down, I'd be able to see them, right? I would say so, yeah. (sighs) Oh, boy. I'm going to be a very rich man. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of cool. But if you read minds, then you could read everybody's mind. 
at but, the table. Okay, I thought, but that's if you're playing poker. The, if I'm playing like Mississippi Stutter or a carnival game, blackjack even, the dealer doesn't know what the cards are. Actually, it's not true on blackjack. They do do know the deal. They do know the cards. But you got to hope that they think about the cards and they see them. They might just look at them and forget them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And you can see boobies all the time. Yeah. That's yeah, but then you got to see a bunch of dongs everywhere you go, too. <laughs> Old dongs. Oh, man. Well, that, that's that, right. It's just like watching porn. Just blur it out in your head. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Very good. Yeah. You put some like <laughs> visors on the bottom of your eyes so you can't see all the way down. Like, dude, you've you've got a problem, sir. What are you talking about? Never mind. Never mind. I can't say that. <laughs> I feel like this would be like Brandon didn't tell us it right when we signed up for the the X-ray vision, and then we get the X-ray vision, and we're just seeing like that bodies exhibit. So we're just seeing like the muscle of the boobies and blood vessels and shit. Like Brandon lied to me. <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> All right, well that was pretty easy one, Brandon. What about you? Uh, I think I'd want to do the read the minds because then he, uh, I don't know. I feel like then I know what everyone's thinking, and I can accord. Uh, plan accordingly to that here's the problem when you can read minds again coming from a guy that can do it you might be able to read someone's mind but that doesn't mean that person's going to admit what they're thinking like i told numerous people about things that i knew were true that i knew they knew were true but their actions and their words were lies because for whatever reason, that's either A, that type of person, B, that's what they had to do because of the position that they're in, so on and so forth. So you can read their, these people's minds all you want, but it doesn't mean they're going, their actions are going to be what is on their mind. Does that make sense? Yeah, but you'll know how they truly feel. Like, nobody lies to themselves in their mind. Oh, I, but I, I know how, that doesn't do anything for you. I mean, there, there's plenty of people that will do really shitty things um, because they have to, not because necessarily they want to, or they want to do something different. You know, I just but wanna... it could give you a leg up, though. So, well, I, I, again, you're talking. Well, then about... you know who to you know who to write off then, because then you're like, all right, well, this guy's fucking lying to me, so I'm not having to deal with him. Okay, I'm glad you said that. You've given me hell for years when I write people off, and I do that because I know what they're thinking. I know what type of person they are. And you go, no, you don't. You don't know. Give them a second chance. That's not. Da, 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 da. I'm like, no, I know people. I know what type of person that is. That's why I don't talk to them anymore. And it's not because I wish death or horrible things to happen to them and their family. Not everyone. But it's just that they're not good for my life. And I guess probably most likely I'm not good for theirs. So I just keep them at an arm's distance. That's all. No big deal. Yeah, but now you know for sure. I do know for sure, though. I've got nah. the power. <laughs> I got the power. I got the power. CNC Music Factor. All right, good stuff. Let's uh, talk to our guest. Here we go. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. Just about everything needs to be insured in your life, right? So find the best in the business. That'd be Sean Camp at Country Financial. 
house, boat, motorcycle, car, you name it, needs to be insured. How do you get a hold of Sean? Easy. Call him. He'll pick up 678-519-9028. Tell him Jason said, hello, 678-519-9028. Yeah, make sure you mention the BS because he takes care of the two percenters. Or you can email sean.camp at countryfinancial.com. S-H-A-U-N dot C-A-M-P at countryfinancial.com. The camp agency at Country Financial. It is your one-stop shop for all your insurable needs. Rodents get cold, too. They might want to get warm in your attic or crawl space. Uh-uh, not on Inspect All Pest Services Watch. Inspectallservices.com. That's the website you need to go to and book an appointment. Mention the BS. Receive 10% off your exclusion work. Did you know that uh, one big issue with house fires is that squirrels cause them by chewing constantly, chewing on the wires, plus all the disease the rodents bring in. Don't let that happen to your house. Inspectallservices.com. And back to you, Jason. One of the best competitors to ever fight in the UFC. I remember back in the day, my Tampa days, I used to have all these guys on in the UFC on my radio show. Uh, now turned MMA broadcaster and amazing at that. We had his buddy Chris Rose on the other day because they're both hosting BattleBots. Uh, Thursday nights, 8 o'clock, Discovery. It is Kenny Florian. How are you, Kenny? Um, well, thanks for having me, brother. Uh, I don't know if you remember me, but back in the day, day in the, you know, I don't, I don't want to say this and, and piss you off, but the UFC <laughs> glory days, you know what I mean? You know, like the, the first, the, the, like you were on the first Ultimate Fighter, so like back the Tito Ortiz, the Shamrock, the the Chuck Liddell, you know, the the, the Couture, those kind of days. The, yes, the affliction days, the affliction yes, days. The affliction days. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. But we used to have, I don't know if you lived in, in Tampa or the Florida area at one time, but I, I know we used to have you on quite often. We had all the guys on all the time. You know, we'd always fight with uh, with Love Sponge over who'd get, and he would. He yeah, would... <laughs> I, exactly. I remember. I, uh, I I didn't live in Florida, but uh, I was always uh, keen to talk to you guys for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was some good times, man. It was a, it's so funny because I like probably you the same thing. It was just like it was yesterday. <laughs> it was so long. It's crazy. Ago. <laughs> it really is. Time makes no sense now that I don't. Now that I'm older. <laughs> I know. Me too, brother. The gray hairs just kill me every day. Uh, all right, so let's talk battle bots. Like I. I said we talked with Chris who I'm a big Chris Rose fan as well um and I told him I was like you know I did the sportsy radio stuff for for a minute and I was horrible at it I just it, it was it just somebody didn't give me the memo that sports wasn't fun anymore but there's certain broadcasters like Chris Rose you know at least for the overall encompassing of different sports not just focusing on one that's able to be a guy and talk sports like a guy uh, you do a very good job of that with the MMA stuff, especially to the layman that doesn't understand it. Uh, I think you break it down really, really well for people to get into it and understand it. So, uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I told Chris, too, and I'm going to tell you this. I think it's cool that you guys are teaming up because you kind of bring in that that MMA edge to, to, to robots, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you're like, you can sit there and, and, and explain to the audience, the robots fighting in an MMA uh, version. Is this a lot of fun to do? 
I do my best, man. You know, yeah, you know, I have a blast and it is, um, you know, obviously it's uh, fight related, um, but it is obviously out of the realm of, of what I came up with uh, in understanding. So I'm really learning as much as possible o- along with everybody else and doing my best to communicate, you know, the hard work that goes into just building these robots, then fighting them and having to rebuild them after they get all smashed up. Uh, so if I can relay a little bit of that information and, and get people to understand all the hard work, all the strategy, uh, all the technical, or most of the technical stuff that go, that's involved, uh, then I'll be a happy man. But um, yeah, no, it, it's been fascinating to watch these these robots blow up in front of me for the last seven years. Was this part of your plan to become a not only very good, but very successful broadcaster and television? I mean, you know, as, MMA wasn't even part of your plan as a kid. You were a soccer player, right? You played at BC, correct? Exactly. Exactly. I tell everyone I went from faking like I was injured to try to injure other people. Um, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> It was a, a, a totally different plan that I had expected. Uh, martial arts, I just kind of fell in love with martial arts and fighting again. And and kind of it started out, ah, let me just try it as an experiment. And um, it kind of brought me down this rabbit hole of um, nonstop uh, combat sports, I guess you could say. So, no, I, I did not have the intention of doing all this in the back of my mind. I always thought, hey, this would be cool to be able to do this one day. But I'd be lying if I said that this was a real possibility or a viable option when I was just coming up in mixed martial arts. But, you know, thankfully, the sport has grown so much and mm. it's led to other opportunities like like BattleBots on Discovery. Are you built for the corporate world? You know, I would think a lot of because you guys, you got I, like I always say this, you know, being around so many of you guys for that period of time. The, the MMA fighter is built differently. It is just, I mean, you have it in your blood, whether you knew it or yeah. not as an early age, you just have something in your, It's it, there's a crazy gene that you all possess. <laughs> and to see you on TV be straight lace, I'm like, either he is a really good actor or he just <laughs> is just adapting to it very well. Yeah, no, thank you, man. You know, I uh, I went to Boston College for communications, so that certainly helped. But I do agree. Listen, I, I think that there's something in all of us. You know, I, I think uh, we are all here. Uh, because someone in our family line fought for for us right at some point. And um, I, I think we all have it, have it in us. Um, that was something that um, I was always curious about. It was also something that was really scary to me. Um, and instead of kind of running away from it, I was like, you know, I, I need to run towards this and figure this out. How do I make fighting less scary? How, 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 do, we, how do I become a more capable um, fighter or a more capable martial artist? Um, and be able to defend myself and that ended up you know becoming uh you know mixed martial arts for me so yeah no i, I i've i've had to work at it and i've had to you know learn from great uh broadcasters like john anik and chris rose they've helped me a lot over the years as far as learning how to do things and getting all the reps that i've needed and having the opera all the other opportunities in broadcasting uh, has helped me a lot and um you know continuing to learn and, and, and do my best to get better and better all the time have you become addicted to the uh, battle bots world i mean that's a whole nother world too chris was telling us how he the one big thing that he's taken away from the show is his appreciation for the passion and hard work that goes into the robots uh for you same thing and you see these people and you're like i really need to learn more about this because it is a community uh, no question about it and for me you know i'm like a, a lifelong martial arts nerd so I, i'm trying to learn from everything and every everyone 
I find it fascinating as well, even just like all the steps that they take to ensure that their robot is going to be reliable, that they've done all their safety checks, that they've done all their their checks to make sure that their robot is uh, going to be optimized for each and every flight, the strategy involved and how they approach that. Um, I've actually, you know, gone offline with a few of the, the best bot builders and trying to understand their process. So maybe it could help me in my martial arts process. What am I missing? You know, I think we all have certain blind spots um, as athletes, as coaches, as dads, as whatever it is that we're pursuing and to kind of get feedback from some of the smartest people, um, you know, mm. in the industry, in the world um, is huge for, for me, you know, and, and learning from what they've uh, taken away uh, in their preparation. So it, it's been fascinating for me. And uh, of course, exciting. Anytime you see these 250 pound robots smash into each other, it brings out the kid in you as well. So oh, that's yeah. always fun. Yeah. I mean, we go like way back. Even Nate was talking about when the Mythbusters guys used to host it back in the yes. day. And, and I, I remember, I think Mick Foley was the first to to host it, you know, back in the day day. And I was yep. like, this is really cool. But where it's come, I mean, even just the robots uh, that are fighting, if you compare them to the some of the original shows back in the day, it's it's just, it's night and day. The technology it, is crazy. No, no question about it. And I think that's what's so fascinating. Even you, you go back just three years, you know, I've been doing this seven years, but you go back three years, the best robots in the world um, wouldn't be able to compete from even three years ago, you right. know, uh, not, not at the highest level, not in the elite level. So you're seeing things progress so quickly. Uh, and, you know, again, it's very similar to the human fight game. If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Mm hmm. Have you been tested outside of uh, the cage often, and especially when you, you became a celebrity, you know, and, and you're on television? Did people test you and or has it just been you a dude at Walmart and somebody say, you know, and you go, you don't want to. Do you have like a line? You don't want to do this, really. You don't. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm lucky that like no one has ever been like, hey, that's Kenny Florian. Let me test this guy. Um, and, and if that is the case, I always try to look for ways to avoid it. You know, early on in my career, um, I, I, I had a run in, uh, was with my dad and my, and my ex-girlfriend at the time, um, looking at some property and some guy, you know, was drunk, was partying next door and, and came over to me and tried to start something with me. And, uh, yeah, that, that was about as, as close as it's gotten, uh, where I had to kind of defend myself and I tried for a way to get out of it, but I did. He was a lot bigger than me. He thought he was going to bully me. Had no idea who I was. And, um, yeah, it didn't, didn't go well for him. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And, and you're officially retired now, right? I am. I am retired. Yeah. I've been retired from the fight game now since two 2011 end of 2011 was that due to injury or yeah i i injured my back pretty badly in fact i'm still coming off a, a long back episode that i've had my back has been kind of terrible since like 2007 so it was something that plagued me for a long time um still does to this day still trying to figure it out but um yeah man that was one of those things i always knew i was like i didn't want to fight just to get a paycheck i i wanted to um, really enjoy it and have my body be ready for for the um, for the competition for the fight. And I knew that if I wasn't at a hundred percent or you know far less than that, that I would be playing with with fire. And um, you know th this game's too dangerous for you to go in there at 70 percent. Yeah, it, was it a was it a tough transition to the fighter life to the real world? 
It was, um, I, you know, I had to step away from training really for about two years. You know, yeah. my back was pretty messed up. So I tried to allow my body time to, to rest and recover. I, I enjoyed, I certainly enjoyed doing the broadcasting thing. I, I, I did a show for Fox sports for mm-hmm. a long time and, and other stuff. And, um, it, it helped, but I do notice that when I'm training and I'm doing physical things, that really fills a void in me that that I think I long for. So I do have to manage how much I can train, but I definitely need that physical element of training and learning uh, for me to get a little bit more meaning, I, I think, in my life. But I, 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 I love the broadcasting part of it. Um, no question about it. That gives me a tremendous amount of meaning, and 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 I absolutely am passionate about it. Um, but that physical element is something that I think I've always needed since I was a little kid, uh, sprinting around, causing havoc. What, what do you substitute the compet? It's usually the competitiveness. You know, anybody yeah. that's played any sport. Um, you know, as you get older, you know, that's why you see these, you know, the, the dads playing the softball and, you know, some, it's, it's, it's a joke when you're a kid, but when you get to that age in which I think you and I are yeah, we're approaching it, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, and I played organized sports, uh, not at the highest level, but when I was younger, you, if you're a competitive person, you have to find something that your body can endure. A lot of professional athletes go to poker. Really? I've seen a lot of right. them go to poker. Um, do you, do you have a substitute for MMA? You know, I, I still do I still do jujitsu when my body allows. So I still try to train uh, regularly in Brazilian jujitsu. So I try to do a lot of grappling. I also uh, started a company called uh, Argus Integrated Defense, where I work with um, former law enforcement and EMTs, and and we go out and train other people, uh, police officers and civilians on on how to integrate weapons and and martial arts techniques to keep yourself safe and uh, go over different tactics and things like that. So I, I still travel around doing that, teaching, training, and learning as much as possible, and trying to push myself in training to uh, get as good as I possibly can. So my competitive outlet now is really just um, doing my own thing and seeing how far I can push myself physically, technically, um, in, in that regard. Had you ever had to fight a friend? Yeah. So I, on on coming off the Ultimate Fighter. Um, you know, we all lived in a house together. We all became right. friendly with each other. I had to fight uh, one of my buddies, Alex Carolexis, at 170 pounds in the UFC early on in my career. And, um, yeah, I mean, he still reminds me to this day. He's like, you sliced my nose in half. You know, that was not cool. I can't believe you did that. But, uh, yeah, so <laughs> that, was, uh, that was about as close as it was. I had to fight Diego Sanchez, obviously, in the Ultimate Fighter finale. Mm. Uh, we were friendly. I wouldn't say we were friends. Uh, he kicked my ass and, uh, you know, I had to learn from that. So I had a couple of those experiences and, and that was always, um, always an interesting process as well of like how to manage, you know, friendship, training, competitive spirit, all that stuff. Yeah. Did you realize that when you were on the first season of the ultimate fighter, that that was going to be, and I think it's been documented is that really saved the UFC, uh, it, it definitely did. I had no idea. I honestly, you know, like I, I was like, is this even going to make it to television? Is it, are people going to find <laughs> us interesting? I had no idea whether it was either going to be legit, whether people were going to like it. So uh, we, we lucked out, man. We had a, a great cast of characters. And, and of course that, 
uh, classic fight between Stefan Bonner and Forrest Griffin really was uh, responsible. I think, obviously, the season was successful, but having that fight as a finale and Stefan Bonner, who recently uh, passed away, yeah. you know, they brought so many eyes to the sport and, um, and helped to save the sport, no question about it. Yeah, the, the whole backstory with the UFC, the, the money, the finances, uh, you know, Dana White then gets involved and then comes up with the, the reality show concept, which was hot uh, at that time and made stars out of you guys. And I, you know, I always said this about the MMA world because I'm a big wrestling fan is that mm. you need a storyline. I don't care. Wh- yeah. I don't care what sport it is. You need a storyline. The Super Bowl Ha, is bigger because it has a storyline. The, the the sportsy world makes storylines. The you the, the MMA world I think is is struggled with doing that. You know, the Tito Ortiz Ken Shamrock was probably one of the best storylines ever. And then I remember like when when UFC bought K One and Pride and all these things. They're bringing in guys that just aren't camera friendly. And there's no story behind it. And there's so many guys different on, on every pay per view. Would you agree with that? It needs more story to it. I think so. I think so. Not, not only does it need more stories, but the, the telling of those stories, because, and I agree with you, some fighters just aren't going to give you that, right? Mm. They just don't have either the charisma, personality, or ability, or experience to be able to do that. But a lot of that falls on the um, organization, the promotion themselves, to be able to tell those stories uh, in a way that's going to connect with fans. And um, I think now that there's so many fights going on with the UFC, it, it could be particularly challenging mm-hmm. to tell each and every story and do it well. And, and I think that's going to be the main struggle for any organization moving forward is telling that story. I absolutely agree. Even if they had vignettes, you know, I, I always think, are they worried that they're going to be compared too much to WWE? If, mm-hmm. Like, even if they brought in managers that could talk, I mean, that's what you do in professional wrestling. Like you got this beast right. of a guy and you know, he can't talk. You bring in a manager, bring in a sure. Kenny Florian to talk for yeah. the guy but they're afraid to be too WWE because the fans would reject that. Right. Yeah, I guess so. You know, but I I think that, um, you know, it, 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 it's important to kind of balance that authenticity of like, what's the real story here? How do they really feel communicating that stuff, um, without it going too much over the top. So, you know, um, you know, and you don't always have those, those personalities, like I said, so it can be a challenge, but, um, you know, telling those stories of the fighters, of the rivalries, of the upcoming fights is huge. I mean, that that's what's going to sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, no question about it. There's a reason why Conor McGregor mm-hmm. is the biggest name in the sport, uh, despite not being so successful lately. You know, Nate Diaz, same thing. People just want to see him fight because there's always some kind of beef. There's always come, some kind of excitement around them competing. Would you put the Paul brothers in that uh, category, too? Absolutely. And in fact, the PFL, who I work for now, um, just hired uh, Jake Paul. So Jake Paul is going to be a part of the PFL uh, now. And here's a guy that, you know, hate him or love him. He's done a tremendous job of promoting himself, of, um, you know, getting himself the right fights at the right time, saying the right things. Again, whether you hate him or love him, uh, he's done a tremendous job. And obviously the PFL has seen um, you know, a value in Jake and, and, and have gone into business with him. And I think it offers up a, a great opportunity for other mixed martial artists who are trying to get into the game. Does he get any kickback from every, uh, from other mixed martial artists because he's taken a spot? Uh, and he's, he's, even though I think both the Paul brothers, in my opinion, have proven themselves. I think, yeah. I think what they've done too is, there's gimmick behind it. I, I don't. Right. I, I don't believe in everything that I'm seeing, 
But that's okay because all we're here is to be entertained. Entertain me, right? So they're brilliant at that. But now you step into the PFL where there's a lot of money backing that organization. Yeah. Uh, and you get a name like Jake Paul or the other guys in the back are going to be like, dude, you don't belong here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I know he's been getting that already. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's been out there and performing well. Obviously, it's been boxing and not mixed martial arts. He's going to be getting into the mixed martial arts game. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot to learn as far as the financial side of things, the business side of things. If you're a fighter trying to maximize your worth, uh, uh, there's there's certainly some lessons to be learned from uh, what the Paul brothers have been doing. Is it, in your opinion, easier to transition from MMA to another sport slash organization, i.e. like WWE or vice versa? I would say it's probably, well, I guess it depends, right? It depends on what their skill set is, what their background is. I I would argue it's probably easier to go from mixed martial arts into WWE um, because, you know, WWE, I mean, professional wrestling is extremely difficult. The, the schedule is absolutely brutal. But, you know, in, in the UFC, at least you can understand a little bit of what gets people to get behind you or, or to hate you. Um, uh, you know, and, and getting a peek into that world helps you, certainly for WWE. Um, and, uh, you know, whereas going from the WWE, the guys like CM Punk who came over, you have to learn so much in a relatively short amount of time Mm -hmm. and your, your, your life could be on the line, right? I mean, this, this is dangerous stuff. So going in there and just having the ability to promote fights is all well and good, but you do have to perform and you do have to defend yourself. So, so you don't take a beating out there. So I think the physical side um, I would argue is, is more cha- way more challenging than say um, you know being able to talk and, and promote that side of things. It, it definitely two different skills that are that are challenging, um, but I think it would probably be easier to go from um, you know mixed martial arts into professional wrestling. Did, when CM Punk made the transition, you know, and I'm a CM Punk fan as a wrestler, uh, as a wrestling yeah. fan. Did you, as, as as a professional MMA guy, go, this is not a good idea. I've got respect for you. You want to check this off the bucket list, but this is not the place to do it. I'd say I'd say that's a fair assessment of how I felt. I had a tremendous amount of respect for CM Punk to come in and try it. He seemed like he was very dedicated and, and did his best, and uh, I'm all for that, you know, trying that out. But at the same time, you know, there are people that have been doing this for decades that – uh, are licking their chops to try to go out there and, and make a name off of CM Punk. So mm. um, my big thing was, hey, do the work, get prepared fully, make sure you're you're injury-free and well-prepared and experienced. And, um, you know, it, it, it's a tough thing to go in there and have your first fight in the UFC. You know, that that is not mm. an easy thing to do. And the fact that CM Punk was able to do that, um, I, I think, you know, win or lose, you have to have a lot of respect for him. And and I think he uh, showed his dedication, you know, um, of course, is not going to be the best mixed martial arts in the world in just a short few years. But um, he did show that he's doing this for him. There's a lot of other ways that he could have made money. And the fact that he went and did it in, in the UFC and as difficult as that is, I, I had a tremendous amount of respect for him and still do. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's pretty cool. So I, I read uh, that uh, Jonah Hill, the actor, Mm-hmm. Tell me if tell me if there's truth to this. Credits you for helping him get comfortable enough to train jujitsu. 
Yeah, I, I um, Jonah was one of my private students when I was living in Los Angeles. He was one of my private students and one of the nicest down to earth guys you'll ever meet. Uh, just a real pleasure to have uh, as a friend, as a student, and absolutely loved it. And, you know, for me, my job is is to trying to get my students, my guys to understand jiu-jitsu the best that they can and make it a fun experience and, and an interesting experience. And Jonah was all in, man. He was uh, he, he was awesome to work with. Did you ever have him say faux show? <laughs> I did not. I should have. I should have. But he's a he's a funny dude, man. I love working with him. Well, you're still friends with him, right? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I actually I sent it's funny. I sent him a text last night. I just saw his uh documentary uh Stuts on Netflix and it was yeah. uh it was awesome. I was like, dude, congratulations. So that, that was that was awesome. So well, I sent him a message last night, in fact. Well, if I'm you after this conversation, which I think we're all enjoying immensely, <laughs> I would shoot him a text and say, All these years that I've known you, and I'm sure you probably have given him a discount. Would you mind sending me a video of you just saying faux show? For sure. And then Kenny Florian can post it on the BS podcast social media. That's there all you I'm go. saying. Nate, <laughs> uh, question for Kenny, please. Yeah, with in, in BattleBots, is there like a list of things that are banned that they can't put on their robots? I mean, obviously probably like machine gun or something, but is there other things that they can't do? Yeah, great question. So uh, there, there's a limit. So there's a weight limit. You can't go above 250 pounds. You can't spin your weapon faster than 250 miles an hour. So those are <laughs> things that they'll test. They'll they'll literally weigh you in before you go in there, just like a fight. They will test how fast your weapon is spinning to make sure you're not above the the legal limit. And there are certain weapons, like there's certain if you shoot projectiles from your <laughs> robot, it has to be approved. It has to be checked. There's a limit. On what you can uh, shoot as far as projectiles, the weights. Um, so yeah, there, there's a bunch of little uh, rules and regulations on what you can and can't do for sure. Uh, wow. Is there uh, any projectiles that have been like they say, all right, guys, I, I appreciate the creativity, but we just can't do this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was the, these uh, two twins, these lawyers out of Southern California uh, that built a robot. They were shooting projectiles and we, they were worried that the projectiles would go like right through the battle box. Like, you know, and those obviously it's like machine gun proof laminate. This is like serious, but they, they had to make sure that they were testing it and that uh, those projectiles would not shoot <laughs> through the battle box. You know, five pounds, 10 pounds, you know, firing at, you know, intense speeds uh, could be very bad. So, yeah, I remember that was probably the, the, the most fear I've seen on Chris Rose before a fight. He was like, dude, I'm, I'm ducking behind you. Okay. You're going to be my human shield. I was like, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that. Uh, I got to ask you about the Dana White stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, do you feel that the sports media, especially the relationship with UFC and ESPN has gone a little too easy on him? Yeah, it's tough, man. I think, uh, obviously there's a bus business relationship there. Right. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if you are a journalist and if you're doing your job, you have to give your real opinion on what you think. Uh, and this is why it can be very tricky getting into these relationships between, you know, large, two large organizations, two billion dollar organizations that are worth uh, much more than that even still. Um, 
everyone's always afraid of how is this going to affect me? How is this going to affect my job? And, you know, a lot of the journalists out there can't do their job. You know, a lot of guys who work for the UFC, you're not going to see people talking about this very much. Um, the reality is if it was a regular guy, another dude, uh, an NFL team owner, um, mm-hmm. you know, an NBA owner, a coach, whatever, if we saw this type of behavior from someone else, they would get wrecked. They would get reamed in, in, in the media. And, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, so I get it. I understand that there, there's other relationships involved, but, um, I don't know if, if we're being honest, there's a lot of other people that would be never be seen again. That would be fired immediately on the spot. I mean, what, what other job is going to tolerate this? And, and what's, What's difficult about it, um, you know, if you're a regular person and you're trying to figure this out, like, okay, but if you are the head of a fight organization and, you know, um, you know, a couple businesses now with, with the slap organization, it's, it's bad. You know, it just, it looks really bad um, because there's a lot of people that look up to this guy or at least know who he is. And then, you know, the fact that you're, you're leading a fight organization, you're seeing this type type of behavior, it's, it's tough. And on the personal side, you know, when you see this, you know, he needs to get help. You know, she needs to get help. This is um, to me. And you see a slap, and you see someone like retracting, like, oh my God, what did I just do? You typically you see a response like, oh man, I just screwed up. Not only did you see one slap, you saw a follow-up slap, and mm. then you saw him kind of walk towards her, mm. which to me, I, I don't know their business. You know, we don't see his wife out in public very much, but when you see something like this, it just didn't seem like it was something that was like a, a one-off. It just mm. seemed like, you know, a slap and a follow-up slap and things progressing from there. It was ugly, but I, I hope more than anything else, it's a family thing. They have kids. I hope they get it worked out, get help, find out what the heck is going on, why this is happening and, uh, and, and make it right in your home first, I guess. Do you subscribe to the theory uh, as a guy that if you can walk away, walk away, never put your hands on a woman, walk away, which he had every opportunity to. Yeah, no question. And, and I see that argument. It's like, hey, she, she, you know, she hit him. Yeah, but like, I don't know. It, it's it, do, do you hit a little kid if, if he slaps you? Do, you know, like we have a certain amount of, uh, of physical power over other people. You know, anyone that you're bigger than and anyone that you have, you know, let's say I know a certain amount of fight skills over someone. Does that mean I'm going to go and use that power over that person immediately? And then we're talking about a woman. Then we're talking about our wife. Then we're talking about the mother of our children. So how does he view the mother of his children enough to make a quick reaction Mm -hmm. to slap that person? So that's what it comes down to is like, what is the mentality and what is the history of, of those people to go to that level? And we all make mistakes. This is a horrible situation. Um, but there's something much deeper going on here that needs to be rectified. And and um, and if they're really about trying to do the right thing and not just trying to make it look good for their business or for themselves and actually trying to rectify the situation, then they need to go out and see a, a professional and see how they can improve their lives and their relationship. And the irony is that he's trying to promote a, a slap fighting business. You know, yeah. I mean, if he were 
as smart as he thinks he is, he would have turned this around and go, "Gotcha, guys! I just want to let you know this is the, you know we're gonna have a we're gonna have a intergender slap uh, league too, you know something like that." Anyway, yeah. All right, uh, Art's yelling at me. Says, "Get off with Kenny! I need him for radio." All right, all right. Uh, BattleBots Thursdays eight o'clock. Discover uh, Discovery. Kenny Florian, brother. It was good to talk to you again after all these years. I appreciate the time. Uh, thank you so much for it. All right. Th- thank you, guys. Take right. care. Take care, Kenny. Bye bye. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. I know every year you say you're going to do something about your health, right, dudes? Uh, Well, this year has to be the year. The older you get, you lose a lot of time. Menswellnessleague.com. That's the website for Nuberty's Men's Wellness uh, League in Sandy Springs, Georgia. I've been doing testosterone maintenance, as you hear, all the time for over two years, and I feel great. I just want you to feel great. I want you to look great. I want you to feel great about yourself, and I want you to stay on this earth for just a little bit longer, right? How about the Wellness Combine for only 99 bucks? Because you're a 2%er, that's $200 off the regular price. Plus, if you sign up, you're going to get a complimentary vitamin cocktail valued at 150 bucks. Just make sure you mention in the BS when you sign up, you schedule that call, menswellnessleague.com. You're the only person I'm going to say this to. Feel free to call my wife. 404-797-4600. That's if you're looking to buy or sell a house because she's a realtor and that's why I'm here to tell you how great she is and how awesome she's going to be for you. She's a realtor with Coldwell Banker, Rachel Guy. She's your guy and she's my wife and she's awesome. 404-797-4600. You can also get a hold of her. I am rachelguy at gmail.com. And back to you, Jason. What makes a word offensive? Is it the actual sounding of the word? The way people have described it? If there is some historical value as far as the definition? And do we give too much power to a word that has different meanings, especially in different cultures. A lot of questions. What do you think? Mainly the meaning is what would offend you about a word. Okay, so is there really a definition of like gay, for example, right? If you were to say, it used to be a thing, you'd be like, don't be gay, don't be... it was, you know, it, it sounds stupid nowadays, but you're like, don't be gay. Don't be gay. Not meaning that you're a homosexual. It was used as a, you're being feminine. No, it, it was used like you're being stupid. Uh, you're, that's gay. That's gay. Nate, you, you remember that term, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's extremely offensive now. You can't, you can't do that. And I only use that because that word you can say out loud and, and not get beat up. And I'm just using it as an example. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm actually just trying to have a conversation. Um, but in the, de- in the definition of gay, one of the definitions is happy, right? Yep. You'll have mm-hmm. a gay old time. I mean, it's in the Flintstones intro song. Uh, so if you call somebody gay, technically you're saying they're happy. I know this is a very juvenile thing to say, but if you were to break it down, you're calling them happy even though you might mean something else, right? Yeah, that's the comeback we used to use in, like, uh, elementary school. But I am happy, okay? Exactly, right? That's why I said it's very juvenile, because I think every kid did it at some point. <laughs> so why are, di- why are other words different than other? I, I bring the- Here's why I bring this up. 
So the LGBTQ plus community, uh, there was a article that's gone viral from a guy named Carl Lockwood. He's a gay man for nearly seven decades. And the whole point of his article is he wants people to stop using the Q word, which would be queer. There's a television show. I was just about to say there's a whole television show about that queer eye. Queer eye for the straight guy, right? I mean, and and and, and it even kind of takes a jab at straight people a little bit. But, you know, you go with the flow and, and it is what it is. And, and, and it's a very successful show. So there's this, like, online debate about the Q word. Let's just say that, the Q word. Which I don't think is a bad word unless it's used in a derogatory fashion. And that's the way that I look at... Most words, not all words, but most words. But I definitely think all words that are offensive are a case-by-case basis. I don't think you can just put an umbrella that says you use fill-in-the-blank offensive word and say that that is a bad person because they've used the word. Uh, I don't know about that, but I mean, I feel like you can't say what offends somebody either. Well, that's the other problem, and, and that's a good point, is that what I'm, it's very difficult to offend me. Now, there are people that I know it's very easy to offend them. Again, case-by-case case basis. Mm-hmm. So what society wants you to do is just drop it all together, which will never happen. Nobody's ever going to. I remember in 2000, I want to say seven, eight one of those two years, the NAACP does this big thing. It was in July of like they, I think, physically buried something and they were burying the N-word. Nobody uses the N-word is what they said. It's <laughs> not happening. Nobody. I don't care what color your skin is. We're burying the N-word. Okay. Well, that didn't work. Did not work. Right. <laughs> Did not work at all. So you get a white person that uses the N-word. They're automatically racist, right? Well, not anymore because there's a lot of young white kids now that they say the word and it's cool depending on who they're around or their friend groups because they're growing up differently. So Very differently. Mm -hmm. You know, I I hear it at these high school football games Mm -hmm. and some of the white kids – that had that, now one of the big differences, which I like, is that the generation, like my daughter's generation, I'm not saying that there's not racism, but they're a lot less racist, I I would say, than older generations. I agree with that. Which means that we're getting somewhere, right? Which them using the N word might not be the most horrible thing if they're that comfortable, uh, both races around each other to do that. And they are, because I've seen them. Like I said, my daughter, her friends, their their friend groups, all the races, they, they talk to each other like that. Right, exactly. So for a word to qualify, this is according to uh, Google, for a word to qualify as a swear word, which is usually offensive, mm-hmm. it must have the potential to offend, crossing a cultural line into a taboo territory, the N-word, for example. As a general rule, swear words originate from taboo subjects, this is pretty logical. The definition of the N-word, I believe, is ignorant. Yes. Right? Yes. But it doesn't say which color. Right. But, but it's just... But historically, 
how it was used mm-hmm. by slave owners, you know, and, and, and all the terrible things that happened back in the day. Right. Right. But on paper, it just means ignorant. Right. Okay. The topic is off limits. So, and by the way, I'm not bringing this up and I'm not, I don't have an angle or I'm not trying to trick anybody here. I, I just really, I, I think it's an interesting conversation because we spend so much time trying to, be, a lot of people spend too much time trying to be offended. I think there are people in this world that wake up every day and try to find a way to be offended so they have something to bitch about. I really do. Um, the topic is off limits, so the related words aren't meant to be spoken either. I get confused on, you know, all the words that are offensive and not offensive, what you can use and what you can't use. You know, especially in the South, if you say goddamn out loud, that's blasphemy, right? Nikki just, I mean, cringed when I said that. I did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tell you another word, too, that. Hold on, let me me finish the the GD thing. Personally, I don't like the term. I don't. But... If you break it down and realistically look at what it's saying, you're having, you're actually, God's my boy, and we're damning whatever comes after the word, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ is an offensive word. Yes, it is. Because you're using the Lord's name in vain. In vain. Okay. Well, what if I'm a fan? And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, I just wanted to talk to him. <laughs> But now I'm offending everybody, even though I could be the biggest Bible thumping Christian in the world. I say Jesus Christ, and I'm, I'm, if you don't know me or you don't know what the situation is, you're blasphemous. <laughs> See how it gets twisted and turned every time. So I don't know what to do. You know, you just kind of, I guess, stay your lane or stay in your lane. Yeah, that's it. Just stay in your lane. Now, there are some more kind of common words that I think we use again, like how you said the, the, when you say, Oh, you're gay. It's a word that I had to recently stop using in my vocabulary. Cause I said it so much. I didn't think about it being offensive and now it's not politically correct, Ax. but I no, oh. that's, that's what you people are upset about. <laughs> you me people. Ooh, um, hey, that's another offensive term. I gotta <laughs> <say>. <laughs> um, the word retarded. Yeah. I say it all the time, and then I found out, like, you can't say that word. I'm like, ooh, it's in my vocabulary because I say it so often that now it's offensive. You can't say that. That's like this, the, the same way you'd use gay, right? Mm-hmm. As far as the definition I gave before, you're gay. You're being gay. There was a thing at one time people would say, you're being retarded. Yep. Okay. Th- th- to be honest with you, I-, I used to use that word a lot, too. Yep. And I stopped. Bec- I have a friend that had a child that was mentally disabled. And I remember reading a post that that they said, uh, and they admitted that they used to use that word too. Mm -hmm. And of course, when it's a personal hot button to you, things are going to change, of course. But I remember reading it and going, it it makes a lot of sense. Like if I, just because I use that word in the way that I use that word, you, you know, I asked myself, I go, do I really need to use that word? I mean, what is it doing for me in my vocabulary? Although I could be offending a group of people that are, are just trying to be as normal, quote unquote, as possible, yep. but were brought into this world with disabilities. And I'm sitting here, you know, two legs, two arms, you know, and, and as quote unquote normal as normal is. And I'm using a word that degrades, degrades them. Yep. You know, I was like, 
I don't need that word. So you kind of, that's how I look at things like that. Like, I don't need that word. Now, there are words that I use, and I use them on purpose. One, because I like to say them. I just like how it comes out of my mouth. But two, in the business that I'm in, I know it's a buzzword where it gets people's attention. And it might be polarizing. That word is idiot. Oh, yeah, that's your favorite. I love the word idiot. (laughs) (laughs) It's your favorite word in the vocabulary. But people have to realize most of the time, if you're close to me and I call you an idiot, it's a term of endearment. Like, I know know it sounds goofy, but I know you, like, I, I say I'm an idiot all the time if I screw up. You do. You say, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. That's exactly, That's just how you say it. Exactly how I say it, too. <laughs> I'm an idiot. You know, I mean, I've probably called each and every one of you guys on the show an idiot numerous times. Doesn't mean I actually think you're an idiot or I dislike you. I love you and I feel comfortable enough to say that what you just did was idiotic. And it's kind of a joking word for me. Now, I've said that to like my wife out in public. Or I'd call her a fat kid, you know, or something like that. But that's how we talk to each other. But I'm sure people looked at you like you were absolutely crazy. That was my. That was the next thing I was going to say. <laughs> or I'll post something online and, you know, like she's eating a burger. I'll be like, that's how fat kids roll. And I'll get kickback from it. I'm like, you don't know us. You don't know me. Do you really think I'm like... I, I say horrible things to my wife. I mean, this is our world. This is what she says it to me. I say it to her. We don't say it with any malice. And that's the case-by-case basis. But what makes it offensive is other people's point of view. Which what makes got- it offensive is it's probably a fat lady sitting next to you, and she's like, are you kidding me right now? So then, then we go into the rabbit hole of every word can be offensive. Yep. If somebody out there doesn't like it. So, like, where do we draw the line? You know, fat is another word, right? Especially with women. You say fat and, you know, chicks freak out. Or old. Or old. (laughs) Or call them grandma. (laughs) Grandma Jen Jen. (laughs) That story from a couple episodes ago. Sure, yeah. See, that's a great example. Like, I wasn't trying to be offensive. I was trying to be fun. And, okay, she, she was offended when I called Grandma Jen Jen, so I felt like, obviously, I needed to share the story. You guys know me. Usually, I don't give a shit, right? I, I'm not going to, I don't need to explain myself. If I'm telling you I'm not, I'm sorry, and I didn't mean I offend you, then you take it for what it is. But people like to just just suck onto it. So I felt like I needed to explain to her. So I said, that's what we call our dog from the movie Couples Retreat, blah, blah, blah. It's a thing with me and my wife. I'm sorry. I should have probably not said it out loud. I didn't think about it. And she was still mad. After you say all those things, it should be let go. <laughs> you cannot tell her how to feel. That's the thing. You can't offend somebody and then say, you get unoffended right now because I said sorry. That one I disagree with. I do. I, I think, again, going back, people wake up wanting to be, some people wake up wanting to be offended. She was a good example of that. <laughs> She's at the table next to us dealing these people talking about Grandma Jen Jen. <laughs> Like 30 minutes later. I'm like, bitch, give it a rest. She's going to talk about that for the rest of this month, I guarantee you. Everybody (laughs) she comes across, she's going to tell them the story of you calling her old in the casino. She's telling everybody. But I didn't call her old. I called her Grandma Jen Jen. (laughs) 
There is a difference. I didn't specifically say, wow, last time I saw you, you looked a lot younger. You know, those gray hairs make you older. Th- that, that's offensive. That's something that you don't need to say to somebody. If you call someone Grandma Jen Jen because you have some interpersonal communication with your significant other and it's a term and you think it's funny, granted, take in all the variables at the time, alcohol, good time, casino, blah, 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 blah. Stranger. Stranger, yeah. <laughs> you kind of have to go, oh, okay. I mean, I might not get it, but I get it. And I thank you for your explanation and thank you for your apology. How many people apologize when they offend somebody? Very rarely because they feel like they did not offend them. So I do subscribe to the fact that, you know, if somebody says, hey, I'm really, it's just, so it's also on them on how they handle it. Like if they pull you aside and say, you know, that that really offended me, that, that upset me. Can you please not say that? Absolutely. Not a problem. But just this overall blanket, it's offensive to people uh, like me or it's, you know, it seems like you're kind of grabbing for attention a little bit. There is a very, I don't even know if it's a fine line, but there is a line that needs to be drawn because we're we're like getting rid of every single word that exists because something's going to offend somebody. But is it that, is it that hard to not say certain words? I mean, we have probably 50,000 words in the English language that we know and is it that hard to not say like 20 of them? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's never like a confusion. Clearly there's, there's words that it, it's clearly, you know, even if it doesn't, maybe doesn't offend you or, or a friend or something, you know, it's like, yeah, probably not a good idea to say that. Even after you explain the the grandma thing to her, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like it, if you have an inside joke or not, if I call, if I, you went up to her and called her a fat fuck, and then you said, Oh, well, me and my wife have this joke where we call each other fat fucks. You know, it doesn't matter. It's still going to offend them. Well, in that, in that situation, I, I, Completely honest with you, I was not thinking. Like, and I didn't yeah. even call her Grandma Jen Jen. I said it out loud, and I was actually talking to Rachel. So, it, it, you know, not that that's an excuse, but it is an excuse. So I wasn't thinking. Now, if I were thinking straight and I hadn't been drinking, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna blame it on the uh, 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 alcohol. Uh, <laughs> I, I probably I probably wouldn't have done that. Like, if I if if it were in a different circumstance, I wouldn't have done that. There's no doubt about it. But I wasn't thinking, so I messed up, and 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 I, the only thing I can do at that point is apologize. It's on her to accept my apology. Like I was sincere with my apology. I wasn't, you know, like oh, fine, I'm sorry. It wasn't like that. I go, I I I looked at her and I kind of leaned over and I said, look, I sincerely apologize. I I, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. It's an inside joke with me and my wife. I thought you might find it funny. I wasn't thinking. I'm sorry. You know, there's nothing else I can do. Like, when does it stop? When does the I'm offended stop? So she can be offended all she wants. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's probably a little silly if she continued to be offended. But, you know, it's you can you can say sorry, but she has the right to not accept your apology, just like anything, I guess. You're right. And I have the right to say, OK, I tried. There's nothing else I can do now. You're, right. you're, I, I, I'm sorry. I apologize. that's where it ends. It, it should be where it ends. But that's my point. Back to what Nate said, you know, it's like, how hard is it to omit 20-ish words from, you know, that I agree with. It's not hard at all. It's not difficult. But when you start to get outside of that, let's say, 20 words that you don't know is are going to offend somebody, then what do you do and how to handle it? That's why I say there's a fine line. Yeah, the N-word, the Q-word, the F-word, um, you know, the gay slur, stuff like that. That's easy, right? You, you know that. 
You're not going to say right. that. But then there's words like, you know, idiot. Why should I omit that from, like, is, is that now part of the list? And who the, who the hell's making this list? Can I have a conversation with them? Is there a meeting? When do we put words on the list? Redneck. I mean, Brandon's a redneck, right? I mean, that's a term. But I, if I'm Brandon, I'm probably going to be offended by that because you're you're giving him a slur. It's a slur, right? And it's kind of a slur. A slur word to describe his way of life. Does that offend you, Brandon, when somebody says redneck? <laughs> No, I, I see. I don't know where we got away from the sticks and stones may b- break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. I don't know if that philosophy is not taught anymore. That's not true. If, what words hurt people? That's the that's the most cliche saying. That's false. Oh damn! I've been lied to my whole life then because I bought into it too. <laughs> it's false. Yeah, that's what I live by. <laughs> my Angelo said, "I'm not gonna sit over here and cry about it." No, my Angelo said it best. You may not remember what somebody did to you, but you'll always remember how it made you feel. Somebody saying a word to you that's hurtful, somebody um, in an argument saying something spiteful to you, that's going to hurt you. And you may forget uh, um, uh, years from now what you were arguing about you, but you're never going to forget how it made you feel. So that that saying is wrong. Well, Miss Perguson, I thought, said it best in second grade where she said, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt me, hurt you after somebody called me fat. And I told her. And that's what she said back to me. I'm going, I'm going, I'm, 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 I'm team Miss Perguson. I got to tell you that. I'm team Maya. straight. <laughs> but Nikki's right. Like if you've ever been screen, had a bad day at work, screamed at by your boss, broke up with somebody, if anybody's ever spoken to you and made you cry or laugh or what, words can make you feel certain emotions. So, I mean, that's just kind of like a, a tough guy saying to put things off, but I mean, mm. we've all gotten screamed at by somebody and started crying. I'm sure at some point in our lives. <laughs> uh, yes. But how long do you let that stew for? Uh, that's when you get yeah, in. That, that's when you get into the, the mental game of that's on you. If you're going to allow somebody to say something to you or call you something, look, I, I probably have all of you beat as far as being demeaned by certain people, whether it's your stepdad or whether it's your family member or whether it's the job, I've had some horrible things said to me, horrible, horrible things said to me, whether I deserved it or not. I don't know. I mean, according to this, actually nobody deserves it. Right. I mean, but I, it made me have a thicker skin. It made me go, okay, well, that's your opinion. You know, I heard you. Now I know what type of person you are. Now I'm smarter and I'm better for it. It fueled you to do better and do those people wrong. That's what it did. And do you know why it fueled you to do that? Because the thing they said to you, it hurt you. If it didn't hurt you, it would have rolled off your back. You would have had no points to prove. And it's not something you would have ever thought about again. But the fact that you're sitting here now repeating it means you remembered what was said to you. It made you feel some kind of way and you reacted. Positively. It doesn't matter if you react to well, positive does. or that, negative. That's what, that's what Nate's saying is that, you know, or both of you guys are saying is that words can hurt you. Yeah. yeah. I don't disagree with that. I mean, that's obvious. But it's how, then it's up to you on how you handle that. Yeah. So the sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me like Brandon was just saying. The whole point of that is, yeah, they're going to hurt for a second, but they're not going to break a bone forever. And so it's up to you then to, to be strong enough to move on and go, you know, GFY, I'm going to move on with my life. A broken heart tears you up worse than a broken finger. You can't let your heart be broken. I'm telling you. That's part of the game. That's for for the weak. 
Yeah, and I, I don't think Nikki and I were saying how you handle it. We're just saying we're proving a point that words can affect your yeah, feelings and emotions sure. and how you how your day will go out from there on out. Well, again, go. I'm not disagreeing with that they can affect you, but for you to allow an entire day to be controlled by somebody's words, that's on you. You know, like you cannot, you should never let someone else dictate how you function. That's a, that's a, that's a lesson I'm giving my uh, daughter right now, you know, because she's experienced emotions with boys and, you know, going to college and all this other stuff. And, you know, people are saying this and her friends are saying this and, you know, she's had guys that she, that's guys, like she's had like three little puppy love boyfriends, but like the first one. He was pissed off because she broke up with him. So he said some really mean things about her. That's when I pulled him aside and had a conversation with him. But, <laughs> but, 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 and it hurt her feelings, right? She was upset about it. She doesn't show those emotions normally to me, but she will her mother. But when I found out about it, I stepped in and I said, you're stronger than this. You're not going to be one of those pushover women that allow a man to say something and affect who you are and what you do. You have got to be stronger than that. And I think that's a good conversation to have, especially with a a young woman who is fragile emotionally. Did it change how she felt? She is a no emotion whatsoever. She's a robot now. It's great. What'd you call it? A a waller? Uh, No, that's walling up. Yeah, walling up. up? Yeah, walling up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Double wall. Double wall. <laughs> to the windows, to the wall. <laughs> Watch well, me back wash Brandon's balls. <laughs> well, back to the original thing, uh, you know, the Q word or whatever. I That's all. I mean, at least in me growing up, that's you. That's always been the thing you kind of don't say um, if you're using it in an offensive way. Obviously, it can be used as like a label, but. That's most words. Like you said, case-by-case basis. Most of these words are have always been like that. They've you, always been a case-by-case basis. You never played Smear the Queer when you were a kid? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you say, guys, we need to stop. This word is offensive. I've never heard <laughs> no, of but, it. But as a, like as an adult, I mean, that the, the whole thing you were saying about the R word or calling an idiot or, or you know, whatever. When you, The reason it was so ingrained in our vocabulary is because in the 80s or whenever as kids, adults were saying it and it was acceptable then. So we've grown up thinking that it was acceptable and then we realize that it's not. And that's why we've all changed. Yeah, but you can't have a television show. I mean, if this is I mean, this is one guy's article that's gone viral for debate. So it's, it's not law, but you can't deem if you're part of that community, you can't deem a word. Like I have a problem with the whole concept of the N word where it's like, you can't say it because you're white, but I can say it because I'm black. That's, that's, that's cheap. That's bullshit. I mean, like if it's bad and it's offensive, it doesn't matter who says it. You never hear a fat person go, you know what? We can say it because we're fat, but nobody else can say it. They don't, they just don't say it because it's hurtful. So like if that's just like any word though, like there's certain words that you can say in one setting that you can't say in another setting. Like you said, it's case by case basis. So that that's the same thing. No, I agree with that, but I'm saying the, the, the overall idea is that, you know, certain people can say certain words just because of who they are, not because of the case scenario. That is the case. The case is that you're, you're white and 
and they're not. <laughs> well, that well, okay, then that's racist. So uh, uh, one community can do something, but the other community can't. I mean, when you say that, if I were to say what Nate just said, you wouldn't have laughed. You, it would be racist. If well, I would have said what, the opposite, if I would have said what he said, the, if I would have said you can't do it because you're black, that would be racist. Just those words together in a sentence. Are you trying to tell me that if a white person said that out loud, that or anybody were to say that out loud, that doesn't sound racist? To say you can't do that because you're black? That's a horrible thing to say. So then what are gay it's, people it, to say? They don't want you to say queer because you're not gay. So then what are they? D- d- gayest. I don't know what the term <laughs> is. But, but it's, it's just like w- women will call each other bitches all the time, and it's not a big deal. But if you right. call a woman a bitch in a, in a certain tone or whatever it's offensive so it's the same thing there's there's different qualms about everything and and language is something we made up so they can do that you can say that one race can say it one race can't because we made it up okay well (laughs) if then that's the case then i should be able to say well i can say it because i want to say it or i can say it because well i have this or you know there's always the excuse well you know I, i mean i've got quarter percent jew in me so i can say jewish things you know i you don't have a sign that says you're jewish on you so there's always but you can say whatever you want. You just have to deal with the repercussions the of what you say. Ultimately, you're right. You can say whatever you want, and most right. people do. You're right. Well, to the point of what you were just saying, Nate, is, yeah. I mean, that's where people, that's where it gets gray, right? That's where it gets twisted, where one person feels that they can say something, but they can't. And, you know, if you want to stop that, it has to be black and white. I'm not talking about races. I'm talking about these words are on the banned list list, and nobody can say them. But to say that certain people can say them is a cop-out. So we go right back full circle to the beginning of this conversation where you're never going to ban a word and say nobody can say it and nobody's going to do it. It's just not going to happen. Well, eventually it might. I mean, over time, there have been words that, you know, even during our, our time on this earth, We've seen words diminish like in, what? in the in the human vocabulary. Uh, well, I mean, first thing that pops into my head, there were a lot of terms that were used frequently right after 9-11 regarding Muslims and people in the Middle East. I'm sure those words, people still use them, but not as much as they were used at the time. Uh, so, I mean, our grandparents, you know, colored. That's a good one, colored, right? Our grand, that's a word from our grandparents' generation. They refer to African-Americans as colored people. Uh, people wh- still use that word. They do, but it's not as prevalent as it was then. More, most people now know, as the generations have gone on, you don't use that word. So I, I'm an optimist. I think that eventually certain words will diminish in the, human, in, in the vocabulary. We see because they, they're, they're talked about so much. Like, I mean, did we ever think that the tobacco industry would go through what it's gone through in the past 20-ish years, all because of that organization called Truth, right? I mean, back in the 80s, there are commercials on TV, people smoking. I mean, we're at a point now where they like have they don't smoke in movies as much anymore. They're doing it actually more now than they have been in the last, like, 15 years. But, I mean, there's a run of, like, not as much smoking. We've learned that smoking is bad for you, right? It, that's diminished over generations. So if that can go away, then I feel like certain offensive words could possibly go away. That's a good optimistic train of thought. 
you know, whether it happens or not, I have no idea. I don't think it will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it's all about how society views the word, right? If the word is still cool, like the N-word in rap songs, if it's still cool, then you're going to have white kids in high school using the word mm-hmm. because that's the music they're listening to. So if it's trendy, they're going to use it. But if you get it out of it and it's looked at as not cool and not trendy, then it'll go away. You would agree with that? No, it'll just go back to just being a word that's now just used for derogatory No, no, you, you would agree the N-word is trendy because it's in rap songs and all the kids, white, suburban, black kids, everybody, that's the music they listen to. I mean, it, it could be They're that. not using it to be racist. They're no. using it because it's a lyric in a song. I agree. Well, they're that. using it because it's a word that they've been told they're not supposed to use. That's kids want to do things they're not supposed to do. Oh, I don't know about that. I, 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 I'm sure they know that they can't use it, but if they're in a group of kids, you know, like you see your daughter who's got white friends that mm-hmm. use the word, they're not being racist. They're using it because it's, they use it as a reference to one another. Exactly. Like that's cool to them because they hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've, I've heard it, like, there was a group of kids at a football game, black and white, just calling each other left and right. <laughs> I felt so uncomfortable. I really did. And they were, we were sitting next to the student section, and they're like, and this, and that, and this. And I almost wanted to say something to them. And I was like, all right, Jason, this is where you get yourself in trouble. Just keep your mouth shut and stuff. But it was very <laughs> awkward. And unco- I was surprised that they were so openly using it amongst each other out loud. You know, I was shocked. They do. I was very shocked. All right. Uh, so um, just don't use the words. Just just be careful. You can use idiot still. I'm, I'm making my own list. If you use idiot, you're fine. Okay. <laughs> but all the other ones you got to stop using. Well, somebody's going to be offended by you saying idiot. If, if they're offended, then you you call me and we'll we'll, we'll talk it out. Podcastthebs.com. That is our website. Uh, all kinds of good stuff on there. The merch store is up there. Uh, we've got our top three playlists that we uh, release every Tuesday, but ever since the, the beginning of us doing those episodes, I think we've done like 40-some episodes, you have some interesting playlists, especially if you're going on like a road trip. It's cool. Uh, if you're not a premium 2 percenter, we invite you to subscribe. Uh, we've now added uh, the, the video version of the shows. So we've got uh, one full video of a show that we'll send out. Usually it's Monday show that I'll send out to you. Uh, also, we'll give you bonus content like we're about to do here after the outro um, for you uh, premium two percenters. You get to hear the payoff of the conversation that I finally had with my daughter about going to college first. I think we talked about it on the last episode. So I had the the daddy-daughter breakfast the sit down Ooh. and I was able to talk to her about this. And, 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 and I was very I went into it guns a blazing. So I'll tell you how that turns out. Um and you get early releases on the episodes before anybody else and all kinds of good stuff. So podcastthebs.com. Also, please, our social media, if you're not following us on all platforms, take a minute and follow us. The links are there on podcastthebs.com, especially the YouTube page. We need more subscribers. And then the content that we release every day on our social media, share that. A lot of you are very good at doing that. Share it with somebody in your network. Share it to your whole network. Tag somebody that you think they'll find uh, they'll, they'll like it or find it funny. Just that's all I ask. We're all in this together. So please help out. Nate, got anything before we get out? Talk to you idiots tomorrow. There you go. Brandon, 
Uh, we need boob-only x-ray glasses. I like that. Nikki D. If you see Brandon out in public, pick up a stick or a stone and hit him with it. Oh, I like that. All right, look, thanks for listening. Have yourself a great, safe rest of your day. Thanks for all the support. Talk to you soon. And bye. Get off my lawn. It's old man Kevin, and the BS is done for right now. Please share, like, and support. Podcastbs.com. It's better than radio. Now, get out of here.